So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hey, good afternoon. I get that's stupid, isn't it? I shouldn't say good afternoon. I just literally realised that because it could be any time, literally any time of day. Well, it's afternoon for us, but maybe you should just cover all the bases and say good morning, good afternoon, good, good evening, evening, good night. <laughs> Happy sleepies, sleep tight. <laughs> Don't let the bed bugs bite for anyone that is uh, listening. Uh, hang on, I'm going to make my screen bigger. I just realise I'm looking at you in a tiny... Oh, don't. I've got wet hair. I've just had a bath. Ah, well done. Well, not well done for having a bath. Uh, do you know what? I've... Yeah, it was the weekly bath time. <laughs> well done. 
that but that time of year again um <laughs> it comes around so quick <laughs> i've recently got into baths not your, i didn't I, think you were a bath person because corinne not. is isn't she yeah she is but our shower I broke am. our shower broke so um i had oh. to i had to go down the world of baths and then I, I suddenly do you know what i suddenly discovered reading in the bath I know. Have you never done that before? No. Man, I, I struggle with reading in the bath. I have to choose my literature very carefully because I don't like to damage my books. And there's always a worry yeah. that, you know, you might get wet thumbprints. So I only tend to read trashy things in the bath, like, I, a, you know, I, magazine or something. I have got a few wet thumbprints on some quite yeah. good books. I'd, I dropped my iPhone in the bath yesterday as well. Oh, it's you? dead. I don't think it's coming back to life. It's That's why you never phone. answer your phone. <laughs> yeah, because it's underwater. <laughs> it's a good excuse. I like it. Yeah. So um, what's been happening in the world of... Uh, oh, we haven't had your theme tune for a while, have we? I'm gonna, can I just have a little gap for your theme tune? I was okay, thinking yep. about it today. So here is uh, Natalie, yeah. like, sister behaviourist, the theme tune. There you go. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Dusting it off the shelves. Did a little jig, didn't you, Nat? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what's been going on? Uh, well, uh, you know, still locked down, isn't it? So mm. not really doing much. Mm. Um, as I was just telling you beforehand, uh, the highlight of my week has been finding some um, Heinz spaghetti hoops in the reduced section in Tesco's. Oh, oh yeah. That's what I'm talking Get about. Get in my trolley. <laughs> um, also, uh, first time today ever, yep. Drax went upside down asleep in the hallway. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's cool. And did you all yeah. have to like you know climb over him to get anywhere in the house if you needed a toilet or anything like that? No, he's <laughs> he's okay. He's I mean he does take up most of the hallway. Um, has, but... he, has he got like a stack of beds? I was looking at a picture the other day and I was trying to work out what's going on and it looked like you it looked like you know like when trees grow they get like rings. It looked like. <laughs> Like your your bed buying sort of problem yeah. is, is, is now you're just hiding the old ones under the new ones. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's how <laughs> I, I can get around saying that we need more beds because every bed is now a double bed, as in layers upwards. Ultimate um, That's good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he has got a very plush bed. It's very comfortable. How um, how the hell is Drax coping with this mud? I, I Just as a small caveat... Um, uh, well, not caveat, um, but uh, we we have listeners from all over the world. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but in England at the moment, it is just uh, mud city. It is yeah. rainy, it is gloomy. Um, What's your field like? Is it really wet? Waterlogged, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all There's right. nowhere for it to go. Like, yeah. our, our wildlife pond is full to the brim, like literally about to spill over and mm. flood the neighbour's garden. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, there's no grass still. It's just, it's mud. So both Gru and Drax are still glumphing like mad. But um, Do you have your heart in your mouth when they're running yeah, around? Yeah, more so than usual. Uh, Drax nearly fell over on the patio the other day. Um, so did I. Um, and Gru did a kind of sideways slip and nearly ended up in the pond. And then after that, he wouldn't he wouldn't run. <laughs> He's just walking really slowly everywhere. Um but yeah, it's grim. It's grim. I was walking Peach the other day and uh, 
I saw a dude up ahead. I thought I'll pop her back on her long line. And just as I was coming, just as I was coming around the corner to where the guy was, I slipped on the mud. Oh, and God. then I sort of like said hello to the guy. Said, you know, he was at a distance and he had his dog on the lead as well. And I was like, hey, how you doing? And he went, oh, it's slippy, isn't it? And I went, yeah, I've, I've slipped about five times. And as I said that, I slipped as I was talking about slipping. <laughs> then then he slipped at the same time. It was like a double <laughs> slippage. And uh, it was like, yeah, it was, that's illustrating how slippy it is. You managed to stay upright. I stayed upright, which is good. Oh, no, styled it out. Yeah, no, yeah, it was it just, that was quite, it was quite amusing. Yeah. You, couldn't have, you couldn't have written that if you tried. But yeah, it's, it's horrendous. So yeah, that we don't, we don't want anyone hurting themselves or, breaking legs or anything like that it'll be summer soon it's coming it's around the corner. yeah that, i mean i can see um um snowdrops from where i am they yeah. flowered um and the birds are going mad i mean you you'd love it if you were here it's tit city again at the moment mm. there's long-tailed tits on the feeder at the moment mm. um got a resident owl that seems to come by most nights now any um, bearded tits uh no bearded tits no I not the right kind enough. of have an Habitat. affinity Although, with bearded tits I for some think... reason. What are you? <laughs> oh, he's interesting. Is that oh. He's a black cap. Oh, you don't Ooh. get many of them around. Sorry, Steve. No, I'm that's all right. No, I'm, I'm glad... being a sad twitcher now. It's like, it's like spring watch. <laughs> <laughs> like spring watch, but it doesn't really work on, on <laughs> in audio form, does it? You kind of want to see. <laughs> you want to see what black caps looks like? Uh, Google. I guess. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. he's. Oh, that's made my day. That has. There you go. Excellent. Did New he... one for the list. We've put a, a list up in in the Woofus so that we can keep a um, a note of all the different birds we see. So. Who's that grumbling in the background? Oh, it's um mouse telling fish off <laughs> being a pest <laughs> as per so, usual. So I've got a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, yeah. In sorry. The, in the I've, intro. I've... I've prattled on about loads of no, stuff. So, no, what, no, how no, are no, you? No. What have you been doing, and what what have you got to share? I'm very good. Um, I've got what's been going on in my world. Again, lockdown, isn't it? So, a lot of these things are virtual things. Or, well, I I do you know what? It is just we're just into February now, and I am on my fifth book, Natalie. Wow. Storming it. Five, four of those are real books. Only one <laughs> an audio book. Um, wow, well done. Four of them dog books. One not a dog yeah. book, but but like a psychology book, I guess. <laughs> the other one. Um, uh, so I'm I'm yeah I'm really happy with that. I made myself this sort of like uh, promise to sort of try and read like thirty pages a day, which sometimes yeah. I exceed, sometimes I don't quite get to. But that's good. But the bath's helping. That's good. Yeah. So um, reading perfect the bath. time to unwind. Spoilers. There's a question later on about uh, where we find time to read books. Oh sometimes. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I've also signed up to something called uh, Noom. Do you know what Noom is? Is it the eating thing? Yeah. So um, I need to shed a few pounds. Um, I don't think um, I... You um, don't, but I mean... Well, I do. We're, we're all struggling with <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> so me and Corinne have signed up to this Noom thing. And it's it's, it's a basic, it's, it's based on like positive reinforcement. And, and I'm really enjoying it. It's really, really good. So, um, so Eva... You know what like people are like when they're on diets. Either I'm going to talk about it every week or if by next week I suddenly stop talking about it, that means that what I normally do is I've tailed off and I'm yeah. not doing that anymore. Um, but it's good. Yeah. It's kind of, it's making you really think, which is good. So I'm using the power of science to try and lose a few. Doesn't it, you put your food in and it tells you the 
calories and then you put your exercise in it tells you how much you've burned that's an element of it but also you've got to take these like little course things um each day it's only about like 13 minutes or so um and that's all the psychology stuff and i think that's the stuff that's really different um I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has ever done that. But got got to use a bit of this. I like to call it middle age spread. Yeah, my, um, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I've I'm the biggest I've ever been. But hey, hey I'm not going anywhere. So uh, I'll go. sort it out once. It, and I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not going out in this weather. No, fair so do. I'll, I'll sort well, it out once. I haven't so. had to do any exercise yet, and I've lost half a stone. All I'm saying. Wow! Yeah, that's yeah. great. So that's uh, so it is. It I is might working. give it a try then because uh, I might join you on Noom because yeah. Facebook ads are always telling me about it. It's like I'm being shamed by Facebook. Like, oi, fatty, <laughs> get off you your t- bum. <laughs> once you talk about something, that's it. It starts coming up on your phone, doesn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. Ads and are getting very clever. I um, think because like me and you and Corinne and Jay are all quite active with chatting with each other. If so the other day, Corin um, sent me something um, to say, oh, this advert turned up. Have you been shopping for this? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think, you know, we see if we see things or hover on things for a bit longer, then Facebook learns it and sends it to all your friends. <laughs> I, got a, I got a friend who he put a post up saying, I don't know what it is about Facebook, but it seems to be really trying really hard to sell me Nordic socks. <laughs> And he goes, I don't know what's gone on with the algorithm or something like that. So I, I then, being a little bit, you know, mischievous, I, I cut and paste the word Nordic socks about 400 times and stuck it on the post. So I thought, <laughs> if, if the algorithm's looking for anything, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pick yeah. up on that. But the only problem is, of course, now I'm bombarded with adverts yeah, for Nordic socks. Yeah, now you've, you've caught the Nordic socks. And they do look very Surely. nice. Do you they know do something? Look- I'm going off on a little tangent here, but do you know something else that um, that's happened to me in my um, middle age, other than, other than getting a bit of a middle age spread, is I am starting to really enjoy the benefits of pulling your socks up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Steve, this is what our life has come to, man. <laughs> I was excited about spaghetti hoops and you love pulling your socks up. There's a German word for it. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look what, it up. But hang on. What were you doing with your socks before? I'd always put them down. I think that, that's the cool thing. You know, you don't want your socks up. You want you want them down, even though they're under my trousers most of the time anyway, like down, bunched up, cool kid style. But oh, now no. I am enjoying the support and comfort of a, of a, of a well, of a nice patterned and pulled up sock. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Lost it. Well, I'm going to think of you every time I pull my socks up now. I know. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, I've got a quick shout out I wanted to do. Um, give me two seconds while I have a look for where this is. Because, um, okay. oh, yeah, good segue into this. Ladies and gentlemen, um, everybody, we have got a, we now have a patron page. Okay, so our patron page is www.patreon.com forward slash bookshelvers. Um, basically, we set this page up because, um, uh, you know, we do we have a few costs here and there running the podcast. <laughs> um, and um, and yeah, you know, we, we it's all free content. It's always going to stay free. We're not going behind some sort of like um, horrific paywall or anything like that. But if you do, if you do feel like you wanted to support us in some way, shape or form, we have got two tiers on there. Basically, um, you can go on, you can pay a one a one 
time thing or you can be a, like a monthly one we've got two tiers we've got a bookshelf of support tier which is three pound a month and we've got a we got a you'll like this one we've got a, a buy us a pint tier yeah um, i like that one i call that one the podcast hug option that's like people <laughs> people want to give us a hug it's like it's like a uh, you know metaphorical virtual hug and and yeah. then maybe when we're allowed in pubs in the not too distant future um we can use some of that money to get around in when we're having a team meeting or something yeah obviously obviously it's not just planning and discussing um, but um yeah that's there if you, if you do want to visit patreon.com forward slash bookshelvers um with and we have some patrons already i know it's amazing thank you so much everybody and i hope it doesn't seem like we're trying to you know um market ourselves too much and all that we're all a bit shy about business and money and all that kind of stuff but yeah. it's a really nice way of um uh you know paying it all forward isn't it really so um exactly yeah exactly. so thank you for those of you that have already um joined sorry mouse has got a squeaky toy <laughs> I um love it. i love it and uh thank you for all the future pints that you may buy me <laughs> it's not gonna help with the old belly is it <laughs> no it's not gonna oh, well. it's not gonna help in any way shape or form but it'll make me oh, feel well. the warm and fuzzies so I've, the reason that i brought that up is um one of our patrons diana golowitzer great name um by the way diana golowitzer love it um uh she asked us if we could share something and I think it's a, a really, really good thing. So I'm going to talk about it. So Diana is raising money for hearing dogs for deaf people uh, by taking part in the 28 challenge, ladies and gentlemen. So every day in February, um, Diana is going to upload a trick performed by her dogs, Dee Dee and Dougal, who are adorable, by the way, oh, cute names. Um, onto her Facebook and Instagram page, both called at do more with your dog uk that is at do more with your dog uk now this is a challenge that diana has given herself to help raise some money for dogs for deaf people and um there is a just giving page um for the 28 dog trick challenge um and that is www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash the hyphen 28 hyphen dog hyphen trick hyphen challenge <gasps> wow that right um, we'll put the link in on the page will we? we have i've, I've already oh, okay. shared it on the page so oh, if, well you, if you scroll down if you're on a facebook page um you will find it there um and uh diana's written here every penny i raise will help more life-changing pups in training who will one day transform uh, a deaf person's life hearing dogs are highly trained to alert deaf people to important and life-saving sounds such as smoke alarm alarm clocks and even intruder alarms and baby monitors. They provide lots of love. Oh, hang on a minute. Lots of love, companionship, and emotional support, which is really important as many deaf people can feel lonely and isolated. So, yeah. Well, uh, great cause. Yeah, great well cause. Um, Diana is a patron, so she gets a shout out. Hi, Diana. Um, Hi. And I think she's also got a cheeky question in the question section later. Yeah, she has. <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted to also talk about a study I read about domesticated dogs, but uh, we're 15 minutes into the intro, Nat, so I might I might curb that and uh, and uh, talk about it later on. Yeah, sure. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's let's delve into talking about books because yes. otherwise we'll just we'll wang on for ages and books, we won't get books, there. Books, books. Um, so this week, then, Natalie Light, sister behaviorista, we are looking mm -hmm. at the amazing. Taking the Grrr Out of Grooming Your Dog by Sue Williamson. All about trust-based techniques for a calmer grooming experience. Um, 
Yeah, so you've had. We a haven't week. done. Um, it's a new topic. We new haven't looked topic. at grooming before, and um, I love it. It's it's was so easy to read. Um, it was a godsend after the the two <laughs> books I'd read before this were like heavy, quite heavy tomes, and having the, the uh, this book was just, it, I digested it, and I think a couple of days, and and yeah. I and then I went through again and picked out little bits for the podcast, and everything. it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really good, and I will certainly be um, a, a bit like how we, you know, use Louise Ginman's book for clients that might be thinking of getting another dog. Exactly. I will, def- I will definitely be using this with my clients now if they've got an issue because, well, we'll talk about it. But there's there's grooming and there's some tea touch stuff in there as well. Yeah. So and again, two subjects we haven't really talked about before that are. Um, really interesting. So this is a a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Should we dive in then? Let's go for it. Why read it? Why read it? Why read it? It it kind of does what it says on the tin, doesn't it? As as do many of the books. As do many. Don't they? Yeah. 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 But I think um, this is a kind of um, return to a format that we have um discussed previously which is a very practical kind of hands-on guide yeah where a bit like um office dogs for example yeah um it's it's it it's really simple and i don't mean that in a in a derogatory way no, at no, all no. it, it uh, sue's done a fab job of um kind of breaking things down because often i think uh, you know even if um your your kind of experts like us breaking it down into the minute steps that it needs Mm. um particularly when you're working with a dog that's maybe had a bad grooming experience or um you know has got a painful mat for example um and and rather than just saying you know take your time and do it step by step sue actually writes it out so you're basically just following it like a recipe i love is, that is great. i love the minutiae of it it's really good yeah. um uh just just gonna just getting over a blush that you call me an expert for a second then <laughs> <laughs> slip of the tongue oh uh, yeah i didn't mean that sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> Um, yeah, it, um, I, I, I have really, really liked reading it. One of the reasons that I, um, one of the many reasons that I love to read it is because it goes a little bit more in depth into tea touch, which is something that I, I'll be honest, I'm not that au fait with. Um, and I've always sort of, I've heard of this, um, I know Jordan, um, Mm-hmm. Jordan Shelley, friend of the podcast, uh, uses uh, Tea Touch quite a lot and has talked about it a lot because he's, he's good she, friends he, with Sarah um, Fisher. He knows Sarah Fisher, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, who so. writes the foreword in this book, actually. Um, yes. Which is great. So, She's a wonderful lady. We should have her on at some point. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, and married to Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. amazing. I, I, I get starstruck because I've... I've I'm friends with her on Facebook and occasionally she'll put pictures up and it's like, ah, he, <laughs> it's Anthony Head. <laughs> he cropped up in, uh, what was I watching, Back with uh, David Mitchell and Robert Oh, Webb. yeah, he was he a was real hippie. The mum, yeah. was he the mum's boyfriend or the, 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 the younger sister's Old boyfriend? Old flame-like sort of thing, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's, he's always amazing. Coffee adverts, <laughs> Buffy or Back, he's always good. What but, an eclectic um Yeah, I can't be boring of... around their dinner table, can <gasps> no. it? No. We're going off no. on a tangent. Anyway, <laughs> it's, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, back back to Sue and grooming. Yeah, so t- I mean, I'm we're, we're going to be speaking to Sue 
So I want to talk about T-Touch um, mm. and free work uh, there. But I, again, practical book. Um, it's got it's got a little, I love that at the back, again, it's got one of these, you can fill it in yourself, observations appendix. Um, yeah. And it's also got um, about, they use the, the the term candles, actually, for what we would call trigger stacking. But maybe we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast as well, because I made a little note of that about, you know, yeah. um, triggers or candles that might be affecting your dog as they go through the day. Um, uh, I, lo- I loved it. I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I think it's it's um, th- there's nothing missing, you know, even though it's it's um, quite short. I think she's done a really good job at, at covering you know most of the bases i mean obviously all dogs are different and you yeah. know she she explains that really well um but even the section so chapter 13 is about visits to the professional groomers yeah and you know talking about all the con- things that should be considered and you know mm. whether you should wait there whether your dog is better with um women than men you, you know all mm. those things that are just fantastic um to think about and that can easily with a bit of forethought just you know make the situation a lot better for our dogs so that's, that's why, why you should read, read it, it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> said it at the same time <laughs> there we go well let's go on i i hear a uh, a, a horseman william tell type character riding <laughs> through the bushes is that a bow in his hand <laughs> Ouchies. Um, uh, loads of lovely, loads of lovely prickings this week. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go straight in. I'm going straight in that uh, with uh, paragraph one of chapter one of the introduction, page one. Um, I love this little paragraph. So th- this prick my, it really did caught my eye. The, the first, one of the first things I read in the book. Um, and uh, yeah, it goes something like this. We have all had those dogs who hate being groomed. They back off or run away if they can, try to bite the brush or our hands and generally become distressed at our attempts to groom them. Are they being naughty or stubborn? Absolutely not. They are simply communicating to us that what we are trying to do is overwhelming, uncomfortable or just too scary. And the, the reason that pricked my eye, I know this is kind of a nice um, sort of like double bubble, isn't it? With the Peter Gilgem um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. podcast we had uh, earlier this month. Mm-hmm. Um or this yeah, not month, yeah, end of January. Yeah, whatever. Shut up, Steve. Um uh because <laughs> you know, talking about um trust and you know, all yeah, of those choice. things. Yeah, choice. Yeah, that's the word I'm struggling for. Um I do you think, right? Do you think if you were like a pup if you're a new puppy owner and you're new you're new to it, you think, oh getting a dog, be great, be great fun, be nice and easy, which maybe some puppy owners think it might be. And then suddenly you start looking into the world and then suddenly you're like, oh, someone's got a great book about grooming. And then there's a book about body language. And then there's a, you know, and then there's a book about, all, you know, something about this, something about that. You can go to classes. Do you, how overwhelming do you think it is to sort of look at oh this? My goodness. Of, I do wonder sometimes because I think you might just think, I don't know, actually. I, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but I think you might just think, ah, oh, I just get a brush isn't it, and just brush my dog. You know, yeah. uh, get some nail clippers, clip my dog, you know, or get them clipped at the vets or or something along those lines. And then if you're presented with a dog that, you know, has an aversion to these kind of things um, and you start looking into it, it might, you know, it could potentially be quite overwhelming, couldn't it? Um, yeah, I think 
you know grooming is like we were talking with peter is is part of kind of husbandry so health mm. checks and all that stuff but maybe it's seen as just a thing that they drop their dog off to yeah. to do and they don't really know what goes on behind closed doors with a groomer um also i don't think there's i mean the grooming dog grooming industry is vast and i don't think there's um particularly good sort of respect or um understanding of of the skills involved really because yeah you know you have to be a trainer and a behaviorist if you're going to do a good job on it as well as having the skills of not making a dog look like he's <laughs> gone through a hedge backwards and um i was uh, it's interesting there was an advert on telly today and it was it was for like uh, a loan or something but um this woman is like humdrum office job and then she gets up one morning and decides I'm going to start my own business and she's got a dog so she she becomes a dog groomer mm -hmm. and I was like that is that how people see that profession that you could just sort of over oh well I like dogs so I'll just become a dog groomer you, you know obviously you have to like dogs to get into it well but... I, I get, it's actually interesting you should say that because I I, I know a little bit I, I, I've been following uh Sue's Steve stalking Sue on Facebook <laughs> as I do the and um I, th I think I'm right in saying I think Sue worked for 38 years in something like consultancy or something like that and, oh right, and and but but had a real passion for dogs and dog grooming, and then mm. and then took the leap quite late on. I think um, you know was brave enough to, I don't know, walk away from you know a a a, a, a stable job and then you know jump mm. into it. So it'd be interesting to get Sue's take on that. In fairness, won't it? Yeah, yeah, and obviously you know career change is brilliant if you mm. suddenly find your passion. Then great, go for it. Yeah. Um, but you know just the fact that Sue's written a whole book about it and you know is obviously very skilled at what she's doing I just thought yeah it's not it's not I know what you mean you can just yeah, jump yeah. into overnight you yeah, know? yeah it's like da -da, what's your <laughs> yeah. dream let's go and do it uh, yeah I think <laughs> yeah. I think that happens a lot with dog training as well let's be honest um yeah sometimes. well everyone's got to start somewhere but yes you know um I just I I I wonder whether you know the the general sort of understanding of how to do it well is is there with with owners yeah. um I, I don't know um, i i do see when i when i do my puppy classes um we do a whole class on handling and understanding dogs so we talk about body language mm. um and hand, simple little handling techniques like starting off and i think i think that's the class where you know not generalizing here but i think that's the class where everyone sorts of looks like oh okay this is a thing is it we have to do this okay right, all right. Mm. you know it's a it's a it, tough sell that's not what i mean it, but it's a I, I you know they're all like hang on when do we get to the bit where i stop my dog jumping on me or you know yeah. biting or, me or it's, it's not yeah. you know a rollover is it you yeah. know it's not the, the it's not type. sexy dog training <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature, have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www dogwise.com you can have a look at their catalogue and when you get to your shopping cart at the end just type in the coupon code which is barkbook all one word b-a-r-k-b-o-o-k -O -O 
and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy! So that was my first one. Um, I like that. Yep. I like that very much. I, I think, yeah. you know, it's really important that, you know, I think most people that listen to this podcast are going to not think their dogs are being stubborn or dominant or anything like that if they're, you know, the, but, but just in case you're an important new, reminder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we all need reminding sometimes, isn't it? Especially that stubborn, yeah. stubborn ones are good. A good one to bring up because that, you know, lazy, ster- you know, stereotyping across the species divide doesn't help anyone, does it? No, not really. <laughs> not really. Come on then, what's pricked your eye then? Well, what's pricked my eye? Um, I love this section. I'm sorry, my dogs are being so annoying. Don't worry. Um, it's okay, we're dogs. Squeaky, we, we squeaky ball. Dogs. They're, they're either playing with the toy that is a noisy one or with each other and they're growling around like that. I'm very sorry, everybody. Don't you but uh, the section I really liked was air strokes. Yes. So um, there's a whole whole chapter on counter conditioning and desensitization, and uh, you know Sue does a really good job of explaining those concepts very simply um, and going through the the steps. Um, but I I like the fact that she's broken it down and really explained it so it's it's easy to just read understand and follow. Um, so I'll read you the bit about airstrokes. So airstrokes are good for dogs that dislike their lower back being touched. Start with a hand on uh, the shoulder, stroke down towards the rear end, but as you reach midway down the back, lift your hand slowly off the fur as if your hand is an aeroplane taking off, but continue to stroke the air until you reach the tail. Repeat, but take off further down the back. Continue to repeat until you can stroke along the whole back, shoulder to tail. If at any point he moves or shows concern, just go back a few steps. Do you have so to make really the? Like uh, do you have to make the? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that, and it's something that I um, kind of uh, do as part of handling. Anyway, is is hand towards and not necessarily going straight for a touch. Um, so it's it's lovely to see it explained so well, um, and yeah. because I think uh, grooming is is one of those things that. Um, because it's 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 a task, uh, you know. You set out to go, to groom your dog when you pick up the brush and you know tube a primula or whatever. It's very easy to um, overdo it because you're you're thinking right. Let's just get this over and done with. I need to brush them. Um, whereas what this book does a really good job of, and and what the air strokes is an example of, is doing the kind of um, the build up to actually doing the task of grooming so you know you've got loads of time to just build up trust with handling and you know practice that before you actually put a brush or a comb on a dog you've, you've given me a fabulous segue into my next pricked my eye oh, um, it's almost like we planned it i know one day we should write a script and see what that <laughs> looks like. um yeah so um so the other thing that pricked my eye as i was reading it so uh, as you well know um listeners and that um little penny uh, is uh not a fond of being handled we had a, a right old calamity at the vets uh when we when we took her um a couple of months ago where actually corin ended up getting vaccinated um <laughs> and and penny oh, didn't yeah. <laughs> enough said about that the the the, mm. the better um so we've we've been working um i don't i don't know 
I mean, we've we've done we've done lots of stuff on handling, and there's some things she's great at. Do you know what I mean? She can brush her, you can do all these things, but anything that's kind of uh, like nail clipping, um, injecting, you know, that I know that doesn't come under necessarily injections, come under the grooming thing, but you know, you mm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, handling exercises. So I what really pricked my eye on this book was the MAP protocol. So this is all choice based, like trust based grooming techniques, um, and the MAP protocol. We thought we'd give it a go. Natalie, have, so you, have you given it a go then? We've been working given it a through. go. We've been Fabulous. working our way through. So your little segue there was great because uh, actually it's the it's you you start so small, mm. so tiny, and I love it. It's really good. Um, I'd you know, buy the book, have a look at it. There's loads of different protocols in there. There's there's um chin rest, free roam grooming protocols. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do. The bucket game, the old classic. Yeah, Chirag's bucket game. Yep. yep. Um, and, and actually, the map protocol is quite similar to the bucket game. And the idea is, for, well, we were kind of ahead with this one a little bit because Penny has got this little grey mat that she absolutely adores. So you stick it down anywhere, she'll come and lay down on it. So that was that was a good start for Tem for us. But the basic idea is you, you they build the trust or the choice from if they move off the mat, everything stops you know Mm -hmm. um so you're giving them the option to learn that oh hang on a minute when i move off of here everything stops but if i stay on it the reinforcement keeps coming in the form of food in this case but also you know gentle touches so you start to build up these gentle touches but if at any point your dog moves off you stop and actually the other day um i managed to and bearing in mind we've only been doing this about a week so maybe like one session a day only a couple of minutes as well nothing mm. you know too big or no, no massive 10 minute sessions um but the other day i actually managed to hold penny's paw so she would offer me her paw in my hand and i could just hold it gently and that's something normally she would just whoop she would just pull her paw away real reinforce her get the clippers and just touch just touch one of her claws that was it that's that's where we are that's where we are at the moment and that is and that is far enough for me and i'm you know uh, we've built up very very tiny stages towards that point and i'm constantly looking at penny and seeing you know is she enjoying this one of the problems i find with penny actually is she's so excited about the food do you know what i mean it's not (laughs) it's not really an issue of whether she's going to move off the mat she doesn't ever leave the mat it's more of an issue of like how how much can she tolerate the time between the between the treats um so we use you know what to try and get over that we well we've kept the session short number one um so so we're building it up slowly but also not using the most highest you know high reward yeah. food that you can use don't really matter if i'm being honest anything you could be training over cardboard i reckon she'd still be excited <laughs> about it but yeah i well, we've actually been doing that so that that protocol pricked my eye because because we already had the basis of the mat stuff she loves going on her max we've done mm. you know mat work with her before and stuff like that yeah, and uh, so that pricked my eye, and we we actually put it into practice, which is lovely. Sounds great. Yeah, it's going it's going all Little right. Penguin. Yeah, bless her. And I, you know, the I'd like to build up to, um, you know, get her used to having being injected. I was talking to mm. um, Hannah and Taz about this because mm-hmm. uh, Hannah's got an incredible. Uh, I don't know if anyone um, follows them guys on Facebook. She's got an incredible video or oh, done a few videos about how they taught their border collie to have a voluntary blood draw and this mm-hmm. border collie was absolutely you know petrified of going to the vets so they've done a stage but i think they, they've got a patron as well it's well worth checking out mm. um really really is i'll stick a link in the notes um 
and we, I was talking to them about it and the way she did it actually um, interestingly enough going off on a classic Barks and the Book tangent again but they did what's called training for novelty which is a Ken Ramirez thing I believe mm-hmm. So they would build, so it would be loads of different objects, you know, like, so, and, you know, poke, poke, well, I say poke, obviously, you know, I mean, they did build up to an actual poke, you got to, obviously, but you build up very slowly and you build it up with different things, different implements. So sometimes it's a pen touching you, sometimes it's a brush, sometimes it's a cocktail stick, which is what they use to simulate the needle. And mm-hmm. and it's just fascinating. And again, kind of goes into that sort of Peter Gilgim stuff we were doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they're well worth a follow. They're, they're good guys. They're great. They're great. Just for, um, yeah, just, uh, just yeah, Taz is he, he's always cracking me up with his little New Zealand wellies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Pricked, pricked our eyes. Excellent. A, a plethora of prickings. <laughs> Try saying that when you've had a few beers. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome return of um our practical applications section Mm. Mm. yes well yeah as we've already kind of said uh it is a really practical book isn't it it's a handbook it's a how-to it's insanely practical it might be the most practical book i've ever held in my hand and that (laughs) is that and i have held some practical books (laughs) it's very similar to um Gene Donaldson's mine and fight and yeah. you know it's that kind of style isn't yeah. it so and um it also bullet points and also put me in mind of um Turid's book as well um yes. actually yeah. she we talk she talks a little bit about Turid um obviously with body language and and stuff yeah like that. and that's another good thing about this book another good thing is um all the way through it there's little like notes at the bottom saying recommended reading and you know yeah. there's, there's lovely little bits like that um you know, um, yeah, or oh, just turn to a page with on talking terms with dogs. So there you go. Yeah, um, that's yes. So it's one of those books where you're going to you're going to buy it, you're going to read it and then you're going to be like, oh, I've got to buy another load of books. <laughs> yeah, it's one of them ones, but they'll all be good. So don't worry. Don't worry. And back. you can you can you can read it like I did, you know, start to finish like a, a normal book. Um, but then once you've got the concepts, you can kind of go back to this specific bits that you need dip in and out so if you yeah yeah um and the yeah the observations at the back are really good uh the the kind of the space to write obviously i don't do that because i don't write in my books i've written all over dream of doing such a thing you would hate Um, i've got look i've got some not that you can see listeners but i have got some bookmarks in there you should see got spoilers you should see oh my god i love them they're cute aren't they they are cute um uh and that just held up some uh fox fox bookmarks little sticky yep. bookmarks. stick sticky page markers you should see uh spoilers uh my copy of hardback copy of dr dogs um it's got more of these in it it looks like a ticker tape parade I tell you, it, uh, <laughs> there are there are about i'm not joking at the moment i think i'm up to about 30 or 40 in the book already and i'm only about three quarters of the way through so wow yeah. what's your system i see you've written on those is it is it g for greg p for pricked yeah <laughs> you got it <laughs> you got it yeah yeah um yeah Whereas I, in... I use a numbering system oh do you I... yeah so then i have like a crib sheet with one to whatever and then oh. uh the numbers on the thingies 
I like that because I you're going to hate this as well. Do you know what I've done in Doctor Dogs is I've just I've stuck <laughs> I've stuck a sticky bookmark in to show me the page that I've written on. <laughs> Wait, I tell you another t- another tip. Go on. Oh God, this is boring radio, isn't it? But, um, another tip is if you so if you do it there, you're just saying it's this page. But actually, if you do it horizontally, oh, you then know that that's the that's, that's the, the line section. that you were. Yeah. Ah, oh, you know what? You can't buy knowledge like Natalie's. You can't. You, sometimes you just sit there and she says something and you're just like, well, that's going to change my world forever. And, and, and that's why that's why I pay you each month for that. That's why I pay you. For those nuggets of wisdom. Right. Practical applications then. Um, observations. We've talked about it loads, haven't we? We've talked about the power mm-hmm. of observing um, uh, and there's a lovely section in here about observations. There is um, actual physical hand observations, so things you can do with touch, which I thought was absolutely good. Actually, there's some mind-blowing mm. stuff in there about like uh, changes in heat and body temperature, um, things like that, What how muscles move, maybe if your dog is feeling a bit of tension. But I wanted to mm. focus on this little section just quickly on visual observations. Um, and again, I'm going to read from the book from, from, uh, from Sue's own words. Uh, so we all think we know our own dog, but once you really start to pay attention and watch more closely, you will start to notice little things that are unique to them. We can also start to assess how they are feeling and pick up on early signs of potential issues, um, by making a conscious effort, effort, made a new word up uh, to observe for example and here i just wanted to read through these little bullet points because i think this is this is really cool um some people might not notice some people we might be teaching you to suck eggs but <laughs> let's have a go um coat patterns uh do they have any fur standing upright swells patches of fur in a different direction filling patches changes in texture color and or appearance shiny dull greasy dry these can all indicate tension in that area actually i've noticed a patch on since reading this a patch on peaches back her back left which is all swirly whirly so, yeah that's mm. a very um tea touchy thing is yeah. looking at um coat patterns it's really interesting and you can see how it would make sense really mm. if you had tension or yeah of course. Uh, an injury in a particular area it's going to affect how the the hair grows really i must have loads of tension in my head because my hair stopped growing completely <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I have got attention in my head quite often, so maybe that's why I'm not just getting older. Um, uh, next one is, uh, is uh, are they avoiding eye, con- uh, eye or physical contact? So are they avoiding giving you eye contact or physical contact? Mm-hmm. Another observation you could make. Um, are they showing any tension in the face? Um, this can show as ridges. Ridges or a pinched appearance. Uh, people always seem quite uh, taken aback when I say that dogs uh, can be quite expressive with their faces. It always, mm. always dumbfounds me why, why, but, you know, dogs can look worried. You can look at your dog and go, well, they look worried. You know, like a human looks worried. So, you know, tension in the face, that's another one. Um, yeah, and there's this, like, I don't know. Uh, obviously, I work a lot with aggression cases, so you, you've got a couple of seconds where you can really notice a, a shift before mm. something's going to kick off. Um you know, even observing puppies playing mm. uh, or dogs, you know, you can, 
once you've got your eye in for all these things it tells you so much and it's um important for the dog's welfare but also also for your safety yeah yeah definitely definitely um when walking do all joints move freely and equally including the neck area yeah that's the sort of observation that's going to take a lot of practice to sort of be mm. able to look and see um are their ears in a relaxed state or held tight against the head that's quite an obvious one to look for um but again always giving you some sort of information um are there t is their tail relaxed or pinned between their legs uh do they carry it to the left or right side um that's really interesting isn't it because um it, it means different things doesn't it um depending on which side they're taking it and obviously dogs favor different sides to wag am i right in saying that as well yeah there was a study i can't quite remember off the top of my head that's the one um, I was thinking there was a study of. about a certain uh direction is either means more optimistic yeah or pessimistic i can't i've completely hashed that up there but um, no 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 i, I, might, I, know be, I might be able to dig it out yeah if you do send me a link and we can whack okay. it in the notes but yeah again yeah. more information for us uh, are they panting quickly breathing slowly or holding their breath you know what, what they do with their breath with their breathing that can tell you a lot um and then at the last one what body language calming signals are they showing um so obviously then it goes on to talk about calming signals body language um and does does talk about children's book as well in there so yeah. i mean i someone put a post up the other day i can't remember who it was now sorry i will i will um credit you at a later date but um it was about something along the lines of you know what do you wish you'd known or done at the start of your training journey and i oh it was melissa it was melissa, it was melissa. of course it was yeah melissa. it was melissa Blah. um friend of the podcast yeah to total buddy sister i'm gonna say yeah um uh yeah and i and i put yeah, i wish i'd known to sort of like observe more you know to to do that because we've talked about it before haven't we you come from that ethology mm. sort of background so mm -hmm. but yeah the you know, just i am a observation geek yes i love well i love people watching as well that's my favorite thing Everything that's watching. why that's why i miss the pub so much i know because I, I just like sitting there and watching people and uh, that sounds that makes me sound like a right creep doesn't it <laughs> oh god delete that no don't delete that bit it's true I'll, I'm, I'm gonna own it i'm gonna own it it's all yes, I, it's, do. It's, I like sitting and watching people okay it's the dribbling <laughs> it's the dribbling you do when you're watching them that, that's the worrying bit <laughs> <laughs> so there you go there's some pointers there in there to go go and you know observe because that's what she's right isn't she sue yeah. you're right um yes. we all think we know our dogs but then when you start looking, when you really like take the time to sit and what, like actually watch, how do they walk? There's a there's a, a thing about free work. I actually want to talk to Sue about it. So I won't, mm. I won't go on about it. But it's the, the, you can set up some nice opportunities to actually observe your dog um, with nice little techniques. And free work is one of those. Um, yeah. Until you start watching, you don't really know, you know, how do they carry themselves? What you know, are they weight bearing on all of their legs? You know, how do mm. they walk? You know, do they choose to lay on one side all the time? Um, mm. You know, all of these things are information that, you know, might might tell you something about your dog. Yeah. There you go. So go out and, and go out and look at stuff. Yeah. <laughs> pick, Watch. Pick Watch something. Watch and learn. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you very uh, lucky bookshelvers, we have uh, an interview with uh, Sue Williamson herself. 
coming up we for do. you. But before, we need some uh, fun Sue facts, don't we? I've got some yes, we need to learn more about the woman herself. I've got some Sue facts. Here we go. <clears throat> Sue is an experienced dog guardian, having, li- uh, having lived with many dogs in her life, including poodles, cocker spaniels, labdors, and a collie cross. Uh, we have to talk about all of that, obviously, when we speak to her. Um, mm-hmm. She currently lives in Leicestershire uh, with her husband, Paul, and Cocker Spaniels, Taz and Tally, and Miniature Poodle, Sheik and Ritzy. Great names. Great names. Uh, Sue's day job is a dog groomer, specialising in dogs with grooming anxieties, incorporating all her canine knowledge to make the experience less stressful. Sue has a salon diploma in dog grooming, uh, in canine behaviour, low stress handling, silver certification. Uh, sorry, that's an ISCP diploma, that is. Uh, she is also an animal-centred education advanced tutor, telling, Tellington Touch training practitioner, P2, Woo! canine practitioner, level two, and an approved instructor for kids around dogs. My goodness, she's got acronyms coming out of her ears. I know, we do, dog trainers, we love an acronym. Uh, <laughs> Sue has combined her grooming and behaviour knowledge to publish two books, taking the grrr out of grooming salon and taking the grrr out of grooming your dogs. Uh, So that's a Guardian version and and an actual copy for groomers. If there's any groomers out there, um, we're we're covering the sort of like Joe Public version today, but uh, the, Mm -hmm. the salon one's well worth a look. And she runs a supporting Facebook group called Taking the Grrr. I have to do that every time it's obligatory. Sorry. <laughs> Out of Grooming Dogs, which is for both guardians and professional groomers to seek and support advice. In addition to grooming, Sue enjoys training puppies, working on behaviour cases and learning as much as she can about dogs through study and attending workshops, seminars and conferences. I think we're going to get on well. Yeah. In her spare time, Sue enjoys spending time with her dogs away in her touring caravan and has recently taken up hoopers with her younger dogs. So there we go. So what do you reckon, Nat? Shall we have a chin wag with Sue? Yeah, get her on the phone. Let's do it. She comes running in, we're all on fire. She says so hysterically, I'm in the shower. She says, save the water. I can be on best behavior. I'm not afraid of me. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very good. Your Zoom loaded up the quickest out of anyone's Zoom that's ever loaded on it. <laughs> Normally you have like a blank page and someone's name and then it says connecting to the... You were like, bang, straight in there. I was panicking a bit because my, my light on my, um, on my little camera went off and I thought, oh God, don't start there. <laughs> it's a nightmare, I'm a bit isn't of a technophobe. It? If it doesn't work first time, I give up. <laughs> well, we're, we're in, so we're okay. We're all here. Um, Fingers crossed. I always do, worth mentioning, I always start recording straight away. So, um, so, so that, uh, you know, because otherwise you end up chatting, you know, straight away at the beginning and then you miss loads of really, really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you're joining us from your kitchen today then, Sue? Yes, I'm in my kitchen at home. Oh, good, good, good. And where is home? Whereabouts your base? Yeah, where are you? Uh, I'm in Broughton Astley in Leicestershire. Oh. You're up north. Yeah, I'm up north. Yeah, Not quite north, but I know it's it's classed as north from... For us. Like, yeah, where yeah, you everywhere. are. You, everywhere's north for us, really, apart from the Isle of Wight. Yeah. <laughs> and how's the weather snow. up there? It's it's pretty cold today. We haven't got any snow, but it's 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 misly and... 
you know, just a bit grotty. Misley. Walk the dogs and that's all I've been out today. So uh, I like the word nice misly. I'm going to add misly to my word. to my vocabulary. <laughs> I like it. It's very good. It's a Leicester word. <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it describes it perfectly. It's like it does do it. Misly. Misly. So, um, well, first and foremost, what an absolutely amazing book. Taking the grr. Do you have to say it like? Grr. How do you how do you say it? I was I was thinking about this the other day. Do you have to emphasize the girl when you're when you're saying it? I just usually say taking the girl. Taking the girl. Oh, I've been I adding a I bit should, of gusto to it. Yeah, I should add a little bit of gusto to it. I suppose <laughs> it's wonderful. We've already. Um, I don't know if you know the the sort of format that the podcast takes, but we so we do little sections where so we've sort of gone through dissected, if you like, um, like little bits Scary. and talked about them. I'd, you don't have to worry, honestly. We only ever, like we were saying um, today, actually, it's a, it's a recommends podcast. It's not a review podcast. So any book we ever have on, we, we think is absolutely amazing. And yours falls you. firmly in that category, Sue. Um, so I, I think the, be- the best place to start is tell us a little bit about yourself, how you started in the world of dogs. Have you always been a lover of dogs your entire life? Oh, since I was about four, well, as far back as I can remember, I've always loved dogs. Um, growing up, uh, I had a, a toy poodle, a little black toy poodle called Tina. Aww. And I used to train. I didn't realise at the time, but I was using positive methods. And I used to train her with food to jump on chairs and jump over sticks in the garden. <laughs> but also, my uh, all my family had dogs as well. So my grandma had dogs, my um aunties had dogs and on a Sunday afternoon we'd all pile around to my, my grandma's house my grandma and granddad's and my auntie had a German a massive German shepherd mm. and my grandma had a Belfast sink you know the square sinks where you've got the space underneath and after tea I used to go under the Belfast sink with this German shepherd and go to sleep oh, <laughs> oh I love it it just, it just <laughs> never occurred to me that you know, this dog bite, bite me. And, and to be honest, she never did. But I didn't actually realise until about, must have been about five or six years ago, that my mum told me that they used to have to wait for her to come out for, for them to be able to get me, because by that time I'd fallen asleep. So they couldn't go home until uh, Tara had woke, woken up and let me Aww. let them get to me, because she used to guard me. I don't suppose that would be allowed to, allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> that would be, if that was a Facebook picture, that would be frowned upon, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly would. <laughs> oh, what a lovely little story. That's amazing. Yeah, so th- that was sort of my background of dogs. And then uh, my, my poodle lived till, we were both about, we were both the same age and she lived till I was about 13 and a half. And then I didn't have another dog until I was 36. Oh, really? Oh, oh wow. yes. I was... Yeah, my family, my mum and dad always had dogs, um, but because I worked and it wasn't fair to leave a dog all day, we just never had one. And then I went back to work part after I had my two children. I went back to work part time, and I thought, you know, this is the time to get a dog. My my children, I think, were about seven and nine. They were desperate for a dog as well, especially <laughs> my eldest son. So uh, I popped down to the local RSPCA and picked up a collie cross puppy. And I'm telling you, she was just the most perfect dog ever. She was, she she just did everything. You know, she was no trouble. She was just one of those dogs that you get one yeah. in a million you yeah, know, yeah, you get yeah. in your lifetime. And I just fell in love with dogs again. 
Oh. You know, not that I'd fallen out of love, but having my own dog, and I, I don't think I could be without one now. So I've actually got four now. So have I think you? I'm making I'm making up for all those years I didn't have a dog. I'm making up now with with having four dogs now. Did your have colleague you cross? Sorry, Nat, go for it. No, no, go on. It's fine. I was just going to ask because um, you pricked prick my ears up with um, with a colleague cross. I said, did your colleague cross sort of like lull you into a false sense of? Uh, like <laughs> oh my god yes because <laughs> I've, I've had a similar experience my my first dog um or my, my second dog is like an adult was a collie cross a dalmatian cross border collie and he when you were describing yours there i was like oh that sounds just like scooby he was he was mm. just so brilliant he was just great at everything no problem didn't have any problems with being touched all over his body yeah recall was always marvelous he was great around the house it was just like oh it's just like dogs this is easy don't worry <laughs> It's yeah. like he it's like he spoke English that dog. <laughs> yeah, when when uh, her name was Kelly, when she was about 11, she was diagnosed with uh, arthritis and I was told not to walk very often. So I thought at the time my husband was playing a lot of golf as well. I thought I'm actually going to get another dog so I've got one that I can do a lot of work walking with and I also wanted to do agility. So uh, I went to bought a cocker spaniel. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, a, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a baptism of fire. <laughs> it was. I thought I'll go for a show cocker because it'll be less work than a working cocker. And honestly, within a week, I thought my world had ended. Mm. <laughs> this dog. This dog. I'm sure it, comes, it came from hell. He <laughs> <laughs> just got so much energy, and it was. It was difficult to train. And I know now no, that actually it wasn't difficult to train. I was a rubbish trainer. <laughs> I'd been looking at one of my two previous dogs and I just wasn't being, I was just wasn't able to tap into his his learning mechanisms. Um, and unfortunately I was I was given some bad advice and told to go to a gun dog trainer. Mm. Oh gosh. Yes. Mm. And and basically that that did quite a lot of damage with our relationship with, mm. with, me, with me and Taz. Fortunately, after about four or five sessions with them, I thought, I can't do this. This was, it didn't suit my style. Mm. I, I just felt guilty using the technique. So we stopped going there and I did get into agility with him. And he actually did really, really well at agility. We got to grade five. Oh, wow. That is good. Yeah, well, should I say he got to grade five? My handling was never brilliant, so it was more luck than judgment that we actually got oh, to grade five. The arguments that me and my colleague have had on an agility course because he's <laughs> he's brilliant. I can't remember my left and right, where I'm going, where I should be stood, and yeah, he used to just turn around and bark at me. And go, yeah, <laughs> where I'm going, woman. There's a there's a a really a good dvd it's quite old now in fairness but there's a dvd agility sort of training dvd called nice dog shame about the handler i think it's called yeah. the... <laughs> that was me yeah, that's me as well that's me unfortunately I, I don't do agility anymore but i've just got into hoopers with my ah. working cocker really enjoying that um unfortunately after i well i had taz i've still got taz he's 13 and a half now uh, still quite sprightly for his age he has his good walk every day and he likes to bark still <laughs> um but after i had taz after i lost kelly i had a labrador called kira 
she did a bit of agility, but she was never, she brilliant at training. She was awesome at training. Get her in a show ring. No, I can't do this. She's never shown me that before. So <laughs> I stopped competing with her. And then I had a working, another working cocker called Rafi. Oh, Taz didn't put you off for life then. No. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I just loved the whole whole um, experience around it. I bought a trailer tent so I could oh, go I was going to say, did, did you have the lifestyle? We, oh, yes. In the end, I, I bought a trailer tent. I had that for a year and I thought, you know what, I can't bother with putting this up every time. So I've actually got a touring caravan now. Amazing. Oh. So although yeah. I don't go to the agility shows now, I still go away in the caravan, well, before COVID, I'd go out yeah. in the caravan quite a lot and the dogs love it in the caravan. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I've still got that and I can't wait to go out in it again. It's it's just last year, I think I went away in it twice and it just seems so unnatural not to be away every other weekend. Isn't it? oh, it's the little things, isn't it? That's yeah. the, that's the it thing is, yeah. I've been, I've been really thinking it's about. All the new exploring. I, I, we had a camper van when we only had Jack. We had a little camper van and it was brilliant and he absolutely loved it. Um, but I think if I was to take all my dogs away with me now, I'd need one of them big like RVs. Otherwise <laughs> 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 I'd have nowhere to sleep. And you'd so still have to put tracks. I've got five. And, um, oh, right. Oh, you beat me then. Well, yeah, one of them's a wolfhound. So he oh, wow. needs his own trailer tent. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll get back to it. <laughs> yeah. So, so so now I've got I've got my work, my show cockatars, my working cockatalis. And I've got two miniature poodles, uh, Sheik and Ritzy. Um, unfortunately, Sheik and Ritzy didn't take to agility at all. And I'm not one of these pushy owners that, you know, I want to do agility, so you've got to do agility. Mm. So once I've realised that actually they weren't enjoying it, we stopped doing it. Yeah. And then when I had Talis, I thought, great, I've got a dog I can do agility with. And just as he was about ready to start competing, COVID happened. Oh. And I've just thought the universe is just shouting at me, <laughs> you're not meant to do agility. Um, I'd lost, I'd lost my young, I've got a, the, the previous working copper I had, Rafi. I lost him at, in a road accident. Oh gosh. Um, oh. When he was three and a half and he'd, he'd showed real promise. Um, and it's been four years now. So it's been four years since I last competed. So it's sort of now it's, it, it's not going to happen now so I've got into hoopers and I'm really enjoying it so uh yeah we've um, I don't know if you've got sorry I don't know Talis loves it as well so oh good hoopers we've got a little set of hoops in our field um I don't know if you know Carrie-Anne Selwyn or if you've heard of Carrie-Anne. I've heard of her yeah. yeah. Um, she came down and done a couple of sessions um so we got all of our clients to come along and have a little like introduction to hoopers uh and yes it's, it is it's loads of fun it's really really cool I, my newfoundland quite likes um going through the hoops yeah it, it's one of those things that it looks easier than it actually is oh it's always see, that yeah yeah when you see somebody doing it really well you think oh god that looks easy i'm gonna do that and no especially like the distance handling with that some people have with their colleagues like yeah like, uh, sally that we mentioned earlier she basically just stands in the middle and points. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to have to do with my working cockery. I can't run at the best of times. <laughs> so he's just going to have to do all the work. And I think that's what's making it more difficult because it's the distance handling I've got to manage. Yeah. My poodles have talked to it. They both really like it. But I have to 
waddle with them. I don't run, I waddle, uh, <laughs> which is quite easy because they don't get too far in front. But with Talis, yeah. he's definitely going to be a distance handled dog, it's which really... means we probably won't get many clear rounds. <laughs> <laughs> But he'll have a great time. Oh, God, yeah, he loves it. He <laughs> and actually, it got me thinking what you were saying about sort of like you knowing when your dog is not enjoying it. Because I, I wonder sometimes when people go push that a little bit too far with dog sports on occasions, you know, and it becomes a bit more about them rather than the dog. So I think that that's yeah. a real important sort of like thing to know. Um, a hard one to tell, really, isn't it? I think. I think. Also, there's so much that goes along with doing a dog sport, the social side of it. Yeah. You know, when you can, when there's not a pandemic on, you know, going away for the weekend and yeah, you get your caravan, you get your mates. It, you know, maybe, maybe people do carry on with it for longer or you end up collecting dogs because. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's what I've started doing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do miss the that social aspect of it. But I, I went to a Hooper's um, training camp and show last year, and I've got a few friends that have come from agility into mm. Hooper's as well. So it's really nice that we've, we've managed to connect again and mm. have that fun weekend, well, week away, socially distanced, but it was better than nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take what you can get at the moment. Yeah, I'll take it, I'll take that tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how how... Well, obviously, toy poodles, um, cocker spaniels need a fair amount of grooming. So, is this, is this how you got into the grooming side of things? No, I did. It was I'd, I'd always groomed Taz myself. I think I had him groomed professionally twice. And although he's got he's a show cocker, so he's supposed to have that nice flowing coat. It just doesn't suit him. He's not that sort of mm. pristine dog. He's a rough and tumble. <laughs> naughty dog <laughs> um so i had him groomed professionally two or three times and i just didn't like it so i just used to hack chunks away myself basically that sounds like nat's screaming style <laughs> yeah he, I, he on, didn't care no i mean my collie honestly he looks awful sometimes when i've could I just shave him now his trousers because he's got really long trousers yeah and I just figure he's old he gets stuff stuck in them so every so often he just just take it off number three all the way up the back but then he's like a road gear he's just got this little ball bum it looks awful but I don't care he's happy exactly <laughs> and that's what it's about um so when I was growing up when I got this poodle I wanted to, I wanted to be a groomer growing up and I was told it wasn't a proper oh. job Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, yeah, mm. so I was told it wasn't a proper job. So I actually went into administration. I worked in administration for a lot of years. Um, then uh, it was just over five years ago, I had, I'd had breast cancer and I'd gone back to work and I couldn't I couldn't get back into it. They, uh, I managed a team of eight people and they took a member of staff off me but given me more work. Mm. They hadn't. They hadn't put anybody in my place while I was on sick leave. So I got all my work to catch up. Mm. And it was it was just too stressful going back to work. And I just said to my husband one night, I'm gonna have a notice in. Well, said, you know, what are you gonna do instead? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, perhaps do a bit of dog training and and then I, I, I spoke to a friend who was a dog groomer. She said, Well, why don't you do, why don't you just train to be a dog groomer? And I thought, actually, yes, I wanted to be a dog groomer growing up. So <laughs> I booked onto a, a training course and I actually started my training five years ago this week. 
wow. That's a really lovely story. I yeah, actually, yeah. I have been known to do a bit of Facebook stalking on guests. Um, oh, right, the, okay. And I saw you put a post up actually, which had a picture of. Was that the like your your grooming shed like, that's my, like office? My, that's your, my log cabin. Your log cabin. I like. I, I liked the post. It was really really nice. Yeah, I think you. you I remember you saying it was uh, like an anniversary or something, yeah. and, you, and you'd never looked yeah. back. So how did that go down in the family? Like you know, I'm just gonna. I'm quitting. Yeah. See you later. Did everyone think you were having a midlife crisis or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd they'd all sort of experienced how um, the stress had been in the previous. Yeah. previous six months and I, I think they sort of realized my family realized I couldn't I couldn't carry on like that it was it was mm. not good for my health I'd been I'd been back to work for three months and then I'd been on the sick for three months with stress and it was why I was on the sick I thought yeah I just can't do this anymore mm. it's I wasn't I wasn't wanting to go back to work and it was the first time ever I'd not wanted to get back to work yeah, yeah. So uh, I booked onto a, a 60 day grooming course and I'd already started my T-Touch training at that point. So I did my training and then um, I qualified as a groomer and, I, and I'd always wanted, I'd never wanted to work for somebody else. I wanted to work for myself. So mm-hmm. my husband and my, my dad built the cabin in the garden for me. And I just started advertising, got, got a few clients. And I was, at that point, I was still using lots of safety aid. Well, not lots, I was still using like the neck noose and the belly strap. Mm-hmm. But after it just didn't feel right for me. And I was noticing that if I loosened them off or took them off, the dogs were calming down a lot quicker. And of course, mm-hmm. I was using T-Touch on them as well. Mm-hmm. So it was probably the first six months, over the first six months, I actually thought, you know what, I'm just going to completely change the way I approach the groom, go with the dog. And it just made it so much more easier for me. I don't have to battle with dogs anymore. Because that was one of my issues is because I'm a little bit older, I'm more, more senior groomer. Uh, and I'm not, I'm only four foot 11, so I'm not very tall. So if I'd got a big dog on the table that was thrashing about, there's no way I could have caught it if it had tipped the table over. So I just thought, I'm going to take the easiest option out here and just give them a less stressful groom. So, yes, I don't, I can't achieve the pooch perfect finishes. Um, but I, d- I admire those that can, that it's a lot of skill involved. Mm. But for me, you know, if I can finish a groom, then it doesn't matter what, yeah. well, it does matter what they look like. They don't go out looking a mess, but, you know, if they've got a few airs out of place, it doesn't <laughs> matter. And I'm actually the, um, I'm the groom everybody sends the difficult dogs to now. So I've, I've not advertised for about three years now. That's amazing. That speaks yeah, volumes, so, doesn't it? That speaks absolute yeah. volumes. It really, really does. Yeah, and that was so, so that was all in, the... that was all instinctual, was it? Just the, the everything. So you weren't sort of like looking at the other things or getting. And you just thought, you know, for me, this doesn't feel right. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna. This is the way I'm gonna do it. You know, for, yeah. for the dogs. I just that's yeah. I just decided, you know, actually, I'm gonna find ways of making my life easier, making the dogs' life easier, and then I had a major breakthrough uh my friend was supposed to be assisting on a Shrug Patel workshop mm. and she couldn't make it at the last minute and she says can you go in my place so it was a complete free happening mm. yeah 
and I went and he demonstrated the bucket game. Mm. And I was just thinking, God, that would work for Millie. That would work for so-and-so. That would, and, and that was just it. So from then on, I just, um, I use more of the canine permission-based techniques. So as I use things like the bucket game, mm-hmm. I use a lot of table protocol where I have my table really low when the dog gets on and off as it can cope with the groom. Some dogs, I just let them roam around the salon and when they come next to me, I, I groom them. And actually, oh, so, sometimes I just... Perfect. Yeah, but sometimes I just sit and I think, oh, this is the life, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if other groomers could see me now, they'd think I'd, I'd lost the plot. <laughs> I, do you know what? I would much rather be rung up and or go to pick up my dog, for example. Not that I, I don't use groomers because I'm... No just hack away with them at home um but if i if i did i would much rather they pick up the phone and say i haven't been able to do it today or oh we i just fed him some cheese um and and me pick up the same same haircut than some of the stuff that you hear goes on um and i i guess i mean what's it like in the sector it are restraints and uh, you know, labelling dogs difficult if they're... That, that's the norm, yes. Right. They, 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 like, they call them safety aids rather than restraints. Right. Uh, but, yes, it's typically the neck noose and the belly strap. Uh, there are things like the calming cradles as well where the dogs uh, got all four legs. It's like a sling that the leg, dogs have got the legs oh, through. Okay. Um, some groomers use a lot of muzzles um, and there's a groomer's help as well, which goes from the collar to the, the H bar. Yeah. Uh, so that restricts the dog's movements. Um, I don't even own one of those. Um, so it's, but it's, it's, it's how we're all taught. We're all mm. taught how to, that this is the way that you groom. You have the table at the height to suit you, standing up, suiting you. Yeah. Um, so because they're on a high table, you need those. Most people need those restraints for safety. You don't want a dog that's thrashing about with no restraints on, on a high table. It's, mm. a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, sure. But because I, because I do work for myself and I've got the time, I like to sit down while I groom anyway. So I've just got a little stool about yay high about 18 inches and I just sit on that and have the table low setting so the dogs most dogs can just get on and off as they please that's really good because some of them you see you know they've got to get up here already and just being on the table can be quite a big oh, thing gosh. to have to get over yeah I've got one dog in particular I think she, I'm not sure if, I think she's in the grooming version of the book and she's a golden doodle but she's a big golden doodle and I first started grooming her before I sort of altered my techniques. And I used to have a high upon a table and she'd have the neck and the belly strap on and she'd start thrashing. And she'd, she's got a bite history as well. Mm-hmm. And I just stopped the groom one. I thought, I can't carry on with this. So I load the table to the floor and took the restraints off her and she just laid down. Yeah. Amazing. I thought, well, I think that's telling me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, this is how I prefer to be groomed. And now she actually, um, when she comes in now, she doesn't even get on the table. She just lays down on the floor. <laughs> Brush me. Yeah, she, she just lays there like a princess, you know. And it's really funny because I'll finish one side. I'll say, come on then, Poppy, turn over. And she literally gets up, turns over, and lays back down again. 
Oh, Amazing. Bless. And it, you know, she's apparently I'm one of the few people that can actually touch her anyway. But to be quite, Grim is quite intrusive, you know, mm. we're going to put close and personal with the dogs, but she, she just lays there and lets me do it. And I just thank, thank God I actually worked out that she couldn't cope with being on the table with restraints on her. But, you know, How much nicer uh, for both of you? Yeah, it take, takes an hour less as well. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I'm I'm on the floor with all my dogs when I groom them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll still be doing that when I when my knees go, but <laughs> it works. Yeah, that problems. that can be a problem sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get up today. Get up. <laughs> I don't want to take this opportunity to mention as well something that we haven't mentioned thus far on the podcast. There's two versions of the book, isn't there? So there's, there's taking is, the girl yes. out of grooming your dog, which is sort of like you know uh, instructional for. Joe Public, is that fair enough to say? Like, yeah, of... that's for Joe Public. That's just for people that are having issues with the dogs that perhaps don't like to be brushed, um, don't like the feet touched, um, just generally got grooming anxieties. Because that was the other thing I realised when I when I started working for myself and I was actually talking to the clients, it, it suddenly occurred to me that I, I was getting dogs coming in matted, and I just said, "Why aren't you brushing?" And, you know, there was a mixed reason. Oh, I haven't got time. Or the one case, uh, Teddy, in the book, his, his owner actually cried when I asked her why, why she wasn't brushing him because mm. nobody had actually asked her before. And she said, well, every time I try and brush him, he tries to run away, so I have to pin him down. Mm. and put, He pulls his legs under, you know, and I think Aww. nobody's actually sat down with her and said, this is how you groom. Yeah. So I, I invited her to the next grooming session and she just really watched me how I groomed him you know that I didn't force him that if you know if I want if I was brushing his leg and he pulled that away I'd just go somewhere else on his mm -hmm. body and between us we came up with that trust technique that I've got in the book that she just does a little bit and if he lets her do that she does a little bit more and that's that's just been that's probably been two and a half years now and since she, she started brushing him that way, he rarely has a mat now. Amazing. Amazing. So just by taking that time to ask why they're not brushing, yeah. sometimes sometimes there's a valid reason. Sometimes you, you just, that, that little, just that, you open that door a little bit with people and suddenly you get, you get you know, you can you can really push forward and, and help people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because people don't want to, you know, generally fess up to that sort of stuff do they generally because no, they either it's, it's find it embarrassing, embarrassing when you yeah. can't it's embarrassing when you can't brush your own dog yeah yeah <laughs> i know yeah I, I well i i'm using your map protocol I'm, I'm doing i'm going through it at the moment um because as i was reading through it we've got a little jack russell who's quite um it's not actually my my map protocol i think ah. it was joe um no, Rosie Hathaway, yeah. Oh, yes, okay. It's... Okay. Well, yeah. I'm I'm using it with our little Jack Russell at the moment, and um, it's actually working wonders. It's really, really, yeah. it's really lovely to see. Um, uh, and I was just saying to Nat earlier on um, that I got to the point now where we've only, I mean, we've been doing it a week, a couple of weeks since I've been reading the book in Venice. Um, and the to today, yesterday, um, I got to the point where I she would happily like pop her paw in my hand and i could just Aww. touch her claw with the with the clippers that's that's as far as we got so far um uh and it yeah it's really really lovely to see because normally she would pull her 
pull her paws yeah. out of your hands, you know, so quicker. She would offer a paw, but as soon as you like went to close your hand around, yeah, rightly so, as soon as you went to close your hand around her paw or anything like that, she'd pull it straight back. So we've just done very tiny steps, you yeah. know, following the steps in the book, um, uh, just just building up. So it's been really, it's been a real game changer for us, I think. So right. Right. Yeah, it's it's, I also love to hear success stories because I must admit, when I first, I never intended to write a book. <laughs> um, it was, I, I started doing one day workshops for groomers to teach them. Basically, it was Tennington Tea Touch. I, I took up the most of the groom, uh, sorry, most of the, the workshop. But I also did a, um, talked about consent grooming and, you know, grooming on low tables and stuff like that. But it really shocked me that the first, in fact, every workshop I've been, I think less than 50% of the groomers attending knew anything about calming signals or trigger stacking. Really? So I suddenly had to change my workshops to include the dog behaviour stuff to put it in context. So Mm. the rest of it made sense. So what I'd started doing then was just making notes after each workshop and sending them out. And after I've got about 20 pages, I thought I could write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually just started out then as a a professional groomer's book. Mm. And I almost got to the point where it took me ages because I kept changing my mind and then thinking, oh, nobody's going to want to read this. And then my friend would say, my friend Jane, who was editing it, she said, no, you've got to publish this. It's people need this. So. Uh, and I've just about come to publish it. And then another two groomers bought a, a similar book out. Okay. Which I didn't know about. And I thought, oh, no, that's almost two identical books on the market. How can I make mine different? So I thought, actually, I think actually somebody suggested to me split it into two books, one for guardians and one for professional groomers. So that's what I did, basically. So, and the rest is this sort of history. I, I thought I'd probably sell 10, 20 copies to friends and family, but uh, I think at last count, it was just over a thousand, which- That's amazing. In, Fabulous. Game of things, it might not be many books sold, but bearing in hey, mind, yeah. I thought I was gonna say, sell 20. It's- uh, Yeah, and hey, that's at least a thousand happier dogs. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, looking at it that way. I mean, I wanted to, you, you were just, you just brought up um, T-Touch. Um, a, a lot of our listeners might know, might not know what the concept behind T-Touch and, and all of these things are. So I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that, Sue, if you don't mind. Yeah. So Tellington T-Touch, it's a, a method we use to uh, release tension in dog's body and bring awareness, um, improve proprioception. Um, it has a really cut. So it's, it's it looks like massage, but it's not massage. We're just moving the skin. We're not massaging the muscles or anything. We're just moving the skin around in a non-habitual way. So when we think, when we usually stroke dogs, it's usually in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with T-touch, it's you, we have circular movements or what we call lifts uh, or slides. Uh, but it has a real um, positive impact. And because we know that pain and tension affects dog's behavior. Mm. If we start to release that tension, that improves the dog's behavior. But as well, if we can um, improve the dog's proprioception, that builds confidence in the dogs as well. So that again, increases their confidence. So that that improves the behavior as well. 
if that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, again, so, it's that, that sort of holistic approach to everything, which, which is yeah. a wonderful thing happening in the world of animal training. Um, yeah, and it's all very trust-based, so we don't force it on the dogs, so we don't restrain them while we're doing it. It's just a nice flowing thing that we do. Um, I mean, my dogs all have it. They they love it, um, but it's 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 really good for building confidence. And there's, I've got a my my um, my party poodle. She was a rehomer, reamed over at a year old, and she she was quite anxious on walks. So we go along the street now, and if I see somebody or what I consider to be a trigger for, I'll just stop and do a little bit of tea to Chana, okay. and she'll shake it off and then walk on a little bit further. People must think I'm absolutely crazy, but. <laughs> You know what? I don't care. <laughs> oh. And this all falls under the sort of umbrella of um, it's ACE, isn't it? And uh, animal animal centred education. Yeah, yeah. Um, the bodywork of T T Touch came first, mm-hmm. and then Sarah progress Sarah Fisher progressed the the groundwork into the free work and the animal centred education side of it. Yeah, but we still use the bodywork in 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 animal centered education. So we talked a little bit about free work earlier in the podcast. And, uh, uh, I, and again, kind of I'm two birds, one stone here, but, um, but, uh, the observation that uh, there's a lovely passage in your book about observation, um, and visual observations, hand observations. But I think free work, um, as you say in the book as well, is a, is a fantastic opportunity to observe how your dog moves and start putting yeah. some of those skills that you, you talk about in the book into practice. So maybe you could uh, describe what free work is um, for our listeners. Okay. It's actually quite interesting because somebody had put on the ACE group this week asking, ah. you know, a description of what free work is. And I think everybody describes it slightly differently but um it's actually it's such a simple concept i'm surprised it wasn't created years ago it's different surfaces um so we're thinking about things like snuffle mats licking mats pieces of cardboard bath mats screwed up towel anything you can think of any (laughs) Well, some, I think somebody said, just, just go around your house and pick up all the crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all you need is a description. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, just put that on the floor. Uh, if you've got bigger dogs, it's often good to put some raised surfaces on. So put them on cardboard boxes so they're not having to bend down all the time. And then on each each piece of um, surface you've got, you put different sorts of treats. So you might put... Uh, peanut butter on some cheese spread, mm. um, carrot, you know, chopped up carrots, wet treats, dried treats. Mm. It's also good to have a variety of different treats and flavours. So then you can tell which ones, which treats that they prefer, which yeah. ones they like to avoid. Uh, and then you just let the dog, and it's, it's a real passive thing. You just let the dog do it. There's no... You can't get it wrong because we don't need to be involved. We just put it yeah. all down and let the dog get on with it. And then we just watch. Just watch what they're doing, which watch surfaces they like, which treats they like. And then we can move that on if we want to use it um, outside. You know, if we've got a reactive dog, we want to take it to start using it 
to help counter condition or help them to get relaxed, we can take the pieces that they find most rewarding. Um, I use it in my salon. I, I won't groom a dog now until it's had a free work session because that, I think, while it's doing free work in my salon, it's gathering, it's data gathering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as well as eating all the treats, so it's having a really positive experience because it's got lots of different treats on the floor. But while it's doing that, it's data gathering in a relaxed manner. I don't even get myself involved. I don't go and touch the dog. Um, it just gets on with it. And then I can find out which, again, which surfaces it likes the best, mm. which treats it likes the best. So then if I do need to use them during the groom, I know which ones to use. It's pointless me giving it peanut butter if it if it doesn't like peanut butter, but likes cheese spread. So, because I do use a lot of food in, while I'm grooming as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's yeah, that's almost a, it, it's uh, information gathering on both sides, isn't it? For the it it definitely well. is. And and before before COVID, where I could have the guardians come in as well, I could point things out to the guardians yeah. as well that they're perhaps not noticed. But I think the biggest impact on the guardians when before COVID was that they'd be watching the dog, and because they're they're relaxed, they've not got a lead to hold, they've not got to worry about the dog barking. They start to relax and they tell you stuff that they about the dog that they perhaps didn't you didn't even ask them about. So you get a, even more information. So it's, I, I would say free work's one of the biggest impacts I've found in the salon because it just starts the dog off on the right, the right journey sort of thing, that it's it's a safe place for them to be. They've got that time to to gather information and they know that I'm not going to suddenly dash over and pick them up and sling them in a bath. <laughs> yeah. It sounds perfect, Sue. And, uh, you know, I think you've described exactly what should be happening in um, counter conditioning uh, and desensitisation at vets. But mm. what goes wrong, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, spoken to some owners and they've, they've been going to the vets once a week for a whole year and nothing's got any better. But the reason is because they're trying to do stuff when they're there. They're not yeah. just allowing the dog to explore. Um, you know, they're trying to get members of staff to give them treats and all sorts. And yeah, that can be a good stage, but you're missing the really important yeah. level, which is what you've just described. Yeah. Well, it seems to work in the salon, so mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stop using it. It's, it's just a no-brainer for me. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen the benefits of it so many times. I've had dogs that have been referred to me from other groomers that they've not managed to groom, do a bit of free work for a couple of sessions before I start grooming them. So they've already got a positive association with my salon and with me because they're now I'm not going to force them straight mm. into the bath or onto the table. And then the areas I know that the dog struggles with, I use what they find rewarding at that point to, to help counter condition, desensitize, whatever you'd like to call it. Sometimes it is distraction. Mm. Mm -hmm. But if it gets the job done, you know, I could I can get the owners to work on on the counter conditioning at home as well then. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, I, I think I'm in a fortunate position because most now, most of my clients now uh, have either been with me a long time, so the dogs are fairly confident with me. But the new clients I get, that because they've been referred to me, I'm, I'm sometimes their last chance. You know, they've 
they've gone to every groomer in the area that said, I can't, sorry, I can't groom your dog. So they do tend to um, do what I tell them. <laughs> I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You've got yeah. good yeah, compliance. <laughs> sorry? Good compliance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I th- yeah I... and... Sorry, go on. Yeah, so, you know, and getting the, the, the guardians on board or the owners on board is one of the biggest things, you know. Mm. I haven't got time, unless they bring the dog on a daily basis, I haven't got time to do the, the in-depth work that some of them need, but I can show the owners what to do and hopefully they'll do it at home. And most of them do, to be quite honest. Yeah. You've got an absolutely fabulous as well, I'll give it a shout out, Um Facebook group, haven't you? Where, where, where yes. both, you've got a massive community of people on there, and that's guardians and groomers all, all together, yeah. um, which I've I've been enjoying um, being a member of uh, recently as well. So that's that's worth looking looking out for if anyone's listening. Yeah, I think we're about to hit six thousand members. Ooh. Which wow, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all need to buy a book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I got to give a shout out. I don't know if you know Emma Stedman. Emma, do you oh know? God, yes, I know Emma really well. Oh well, it was Emma that um, that sent us an yeah. email and said you need to speak to Sue. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds really, really good. It sounds great. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I did promise. I'll, uh, I'll Emma, Emma bought, buys my my Guardian's books and she gives all her new owners a, a copy and oh. she sells them as well. So oh, she's a really wow. good supporter of the group. She gives lots of advice on the group as well because she. She grooms very much similar to me. She has a table low. She does consent-based grooming. She doesn't force the dogs. So we get on, I get on really well with Gemma. So uh, she, she's, a good, she's a good girl. <laughs> um, she's also asked a question this week, hasn't she now? I can't remember. Yes. It was it was about uh, something that I have got no business trying to answer in any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, so we thought we'd ask you um, what the question was. Uh, it was how many different types of dog coat are there There oh goodness throwing you under the bus there (laughs) i'll throw me under the bus i should know i should know this but i don't well let's let's reframe it then so what's the the kind of most common type of coat that you see people struggling yeah it, it's the it's the wool coats, the cockapoos, your poodles. Yeah. I, I don't. I, the only two poodles I groom are my own two, but yeah, cockapoos, labradoodles, golden doodles. They they probably are the most difficult coats to manage. Mm. Um, Popular breeds say, as well. They are, mm. and that the, the coats are also different as well. Mm. That particularly the cockapoos, you get some that almost look like spaniels. But then you get others that are the coats are really tight like a sheep. I've got one that comes in, she just looks like a sheep. She's got <laughs> such in fact, I think her curls are more t- tighter than my poodles. Amazing. Uh, and we have to keep her short because that is really difficult to keep that that sort of coat maintained. I've seen some of the um sort of welfare cases where the whole coat has to go. It's just one big mat, you know. Um, oh, yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. But if people don't know, you know, exactly, um... exactly. You know, it's it's. I think it's education and communication. Um, I did a, a welfare because I'm 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 in lockdown at the moment. So I'm not allowed to work at the moment, only for welfare cases. Okay. But I did a, um, a again. It was a cockapoo last weekend. Uh, the girl had rehomed it the week before, and it was matted all down its side. And again, it's 
poor little thing, first ever groom. And I don't usually groom a dog the first time, but the matting was so bad. I thought, this this has just got to come off this. Yeah. So she did really well. We took a time with, I took my time with her and I gave her food and gave her cuddles, gave her breaks on the floor with some free work. And she coped really well. She was a little star actually. Uh, but yeah, she got quite bad matting down the sides. Um, it's so sad, isn't it? I it, mean, it is. You know, my my dogs run through everything, and my lurch has got quite a long, wiry coat. But you can almost just pull. Yeah, out. strip. So really, nothing bad really happens. I keep the collie short and and practically naked, <laughs> and, um, and he looks awful, but he's fine. But the my hound, he was terribly matted. I don't think he'd ever been groomed when I got him. He's just under a year, um, and. I've done everything slowly, you know, as as you set out in your book. And he really enjoys it now. And it's actually, rather than it being something that I had to do to help him with painful mats or, you know, his coat was really greasy because of all the stress. And now he lies on his bed and he just prince of persia and <laughs> my favorite two bits of equipment are a, my metal comb and a mat splitter which i i brush the the blade through so i'll do that and then i do the comb and he's he i've i've never known i never thought he would actually enjoy it you know i think because at the start he was just kind of a bit shut down but now he he does these huge size oh. and it's 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 more like um like tea touch basically yeah but, but with some equipment and i i'm making his coat look nice as well which is, <laughs> he's so happy. Also bonus. <laughs> yeah he deserves I, it but, i uh, think some of it as well it's about having a, a a cut that's fit for purpose for your dog yeah. so we go down we're about two miles down the road we've got a nature reserve where we go every day and it's fields and woods and there's water ditches there as well so and my little party poodle she just loves running she she just adores it it's a favorite thing but she doesn't care where she runs so she comes back muddied up she's not very big so it's, it's all up to her neck yeah but she hates even now she still hates being bath she hates being groomed so I took the decision quite early on after I rehomed that she doesn't like being bath, she doesn't like being groomed. And do I really want to put all that extra time in counter conditioning, desensitizing everything? When actually I could just keep her really short. Mm. So all she needs is a wipe down. So she, she's on my shortest blade. She's no advert for my business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's not, she really isn't. But it's it's a practical cut for her. She, yeah. You know, if I left her long and nice and fluffy like my other poodle is, she would just need a full bath and groom every day. She'd have sticks sticking to her everywhere. And she would just hate me. So we just keep her really short and she doesn't care what she looks like and I don't particularly care what she looks like. (laughs) That's really refreshing to hear a groomer talk like that. that You know, it's about... It's about the dog at the end of the day. And, yeah. uh, you know, best thing I ever did in my house was put hot tapping down the side. Yeah. You know, but then we, yeah, we can yeah. just walk through. I just do their feet. That's it. I'm very lazy. When yeah. I've actually just bought a Karcher, one of the, the, 
the yeah. little carters to take in the car to rinse them down afterwards. Oh, what do they do then? Like a little... I've, uh, I've got one type thing yeah, yeah it's a ba- battery operated yeah. one a rechargeable battery operated yeah. one i thought this is going to be brilliant because i can just rinse them down i went to use it on my little poodle this morning she hates it oh, no. does it make a noise so, or is it yeah i think hurt? it's the noise more than anything so i got my husband i said get you get my camera out and start videoing so i was doing some counter conditioning you know treat spray yeah. treat yeah. spray yeah. not on her i'm doing it away from her at the moment yeah. she's 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 too anxious about it at the moment so that that's going to be my task this week well oh, the great. next couple of weeks is to count condition and so we can use it so uh, you just think but, how, how many people wouldn't go through that sort of you know that 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 counter conditioning journey and they'll just be like oh get over here and just yeah get it especially, done and, especially with little dogs yeah. it's mm. easy to to kind of skip all of that and just pick them up and rub them in a towel and then they're done you know exactly um, exactly that, but it'll be okay for some dogs my, my little she's, mind, but she's actually quite a special little dog yeah. i know that if i forced her to have something done i'd regret it mm. uh, she trigger stacks really quickly um once she's trigger stacked she's in a bad mood the rest of the day oh bless her so it's just best not to yeah. Not to pander to her, but if it's not necessary, why put her through it in the first place? Exactly. She's we've we've taught her now. She didn't like being picked up and dried, so I've taught her now. I pick the towel up and she launches herself at it. <laughs> and even when I'm trying to dry the other dog, she's still throwing herself at this <laughs> towel. So again, it's on her terms. Yeah. Because forcing her to do anything just has negative impacts mm. it does undoes all the other work with, that we've done with her so it just makes sense to to give a bit of a break and just do things that are easier for because that's easy for us as well and these are the kind of things that are easy to avoid kind of breaking that trust down with with new dogs but maybe people don't have the the skills of the knowledge of what's out there and you know even things like um i've got those you know rough and tumble um they do gloves oh yes big mitts because i um and I, I show that to a lot of my clients because they this time of year they end up their dogs are sort of escalating their behavior because they're trying to approach them with the towel which just looks petrifying <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If you you kind of take the the big scary ghost sheet out of the equation and just put the gloves on, most of them will just stand there. You know, these dogs don't have handling issues per se. They just aren't, haven't been taught that a towel coming towards them is not something to fear. But the the problem is with this owners um, grabbing the dogs with a towel if the dogs have to be regularly groomed we use a towel after they're in the bath so if you've got a dog that's really scared of a towel yeah that's just another trigger in the grooming salon yeah. for them so it's it's really important to, to if you have got a dog that really doesn't like towels and it really upsets them tell your groomer so that they can be prepared to to approach with the towel in a different way mm. That actually leads me into, I've got another question for you, Sue, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, a friend, I was having a chat with a friend of mine today, um, Taz Nichols, Lewis Nichols, he's, he's known as as well. He's quite a, um, a, 
a big Facebook presence. He's a dog trainer in New Zealand. Um, and he... Uh, and sheep trainer. And sheep trainer, Ooh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's, he uh, wanted to ask a question. So um, his question is... Uh, so you might have already answered this. I don't know, maybe, maybe okay. not. But let's see. What are the basic things we could educate owners of dogs that will need to be groomed to do or set up their dog for being okay with. So, he, and then he caveated it saying like the initial steps that will help dogs out. Having all the different parts of the body touched. Okay. Yeah. Counter conditioning. Um, so that they're happy uh, having their legs lifted. Okay. Yeah. Is that something we have to do? Um, Is that when you're trimming their feet? Yeah, when we do sometimes when we're doing the, the trimming the legs, but also you know when we're doing the nail, when we're doing the claws, which is a really difficult thing for most dogs, mm. trimming between the pads. Mm -hmm. So get a little pair of bullnose scissors as well. Buy yourself a little pair of bullnose scissors, or even a spoon to be quite honest, a little teaspoon, and rub that round your dog's face, round the feet, so they get the feel of of something metal around the areas mm. where we're going to need scissors. Mm. get them used to having the tail lifted the back legs lifted um what else can get them used to having being brushed from a young I, when when I do my puppy training I always get owners to start brushing the dogs using food so mm -hmm. they've got food in one hand and brushing with the other hand mm. little and often Puppies have got such a small attention span, you know, <laughs> that they can't, you, you, you can't brush a puppy for 10, 20 minutes. They've just not got that attention span. And it must feel really weird on the skin having, because yeah. we forget that, you know, like ourselves, we're covered in nerve endings. So there's that process of information all the time. So, um, just basically get your dog used to having having a brush on them. If you've got an electric toothbrush and your dog's going to need clipping, take the toothbrush out and just start counter conditioning the sound of the clippers, the the toothbrush for a start because that's oh. almost replicates the the clippers. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. And then once they're used to the sound and you desensitise that, just stroke up them across the back so they can get used to the vibrations as mm. well um yeah any handling around the face that you can get them used to rub that spoon around the face if they're going to need the face scissoring um buy your book the hardest part, i find yes buy my book, yes. <laughs> buy, buy <your> book. <laughs> <laughs> um i think a lot of a lot of the time we get some owners get confused between desensitization and flooding mm. Mm -hmm. They think that by, um, particularly with nails, I find that they, they hold onto the dog's paw for dear life and then yeah. they, they clip. And actually that's not desensitization, that, that's flooding. So again, you can read about it in my book, how to desensitize and how to counter condition. Uh, but, you know, a lot of groomers will give um, owner's advice of, oh, you know, play with the feet all the time. But actually playing with the feet is not the same as having yeah. the feet held and the nails clipped. So it's breaking it down, you know, almost into tiny, tiny, tiny steps so that you can go from letting them 
them letting you hold the paw, then letting you stroke with the clippers and then tapping on the claws with the clippers. And it's, it's all breaking it down mm. into manageable stages for them so that they don't feel overwhelmed. Because otherwise, you have, you have, I tend to find dogs go two, one of two ways. They either shut down completely or they they get aggressive. Mm. Yeah. You know, you'll sometimes get one that just tries and pulls the paw away all the time. We get, we, that's how it's actually taught, you know, that you hold onto the dog's foot until it gives in. Mm. Yeah. But actually all that do, that all that's doing in my book is trigger stacking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They're pulling the foot, they're pulling the foot away for a reason because they don't like it. So, um, it's a, that, that's a really like interesting thing you said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I love the, the thing you're saying about, um, you know, the, the flooding issue. Um, I, I think so many people that I talk to have got this idea that just exposure, more and more yeah. exposure, 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 exposure is, uh, is going to get your dog over it eventually. Seems to make sense in our human brain, doesn't it? Um, that that yeah. might be a thing, but it, it just doesn't work like that. Um, or not all the time, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is, it's that just because they're not showing any behaviour, mm doesn't mean to say they're happy. I mean, Andy Ayle has done some fantastic webinars on emotional drives of dogs and he's, he's actually been really um, really proactive with groomers now. Uh, I heard him on a, a webinar earlier last year and I actually cried for some of the stuff he was saying because even though I groom as carefully as I can, some of the stuff he was saying, I'm thinking, oh God, I could actually do things be- even better. Uh, yeah. So I've actually got Andy, to, he's done a couple of talks for groomers now uh, about the emotional input they have you know that just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do it Um, and it's very similar as well you know when uh, when we are doing the operant conditioning sometimes we can get the dog to to comply but they might actually still have those emotions underneath yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're just complying to get the food, or because we've asked them to do it and they want to please us. So that it, Andy's had a big impact on my groomers as well the last year. So I'm uh, starting. Fun- I'm starting to think that he doesn't sleep. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> he's lovely. He's he's yeah. such a great human being. We've had him on the podcast um, before, and I'm sure we'll have him again. It was oh, a really yes, interesting chat. A really really yes. interesting chat with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. I didn't know he was doing some groomer stuff. I actually didn't know that. So, yeah. Yeah, I say I, I, I listened to his podcast, his his talk last year. Uh, I think it was with Southwest Dogs, okay. uh, Matt Donovan, and I just thought I've got to get this word out there. Mm. But he does it in such a, a non-judgmental way. It is what it is, mm. you know. Whereas I think I get too emotional about about it. So I I ran a, a couple of webinars where he spoke and uh, I've got them. I'm trying to get him to do another one for me as well. Oh, yeah. So to get... Drop us the details and we can advertise it on our yeah. Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so awesome. uh, it, it's just getting that, it's getting groomers and owners. And it's not just about the grooming, it's about everything we do with their dogs to think about how the dog might be feeling. Mm. Yeah, I think it's. We, when um, 
you're going into a situation where, right, I'm going to cut that mat off his ear. It's easy to forget all of that stuff, isn't it? Actually, the aim of you, the aim of that interaction should be that your dog is having a nice time. Yeah, and I'm not, not going to lie. You actually get the mat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. There are times where I've had to push the dog a little bit further than I'm comfortable with mm. because it's the welfare of the physical welfare of the dog is the priority so if they've got a claw digging into the pad mm. that is a priority i've got to get that claw yeah, cut completely yeah. but i do think with i see lots about nail clipping and in the sports world of people obsessing about keeping their their claws so short and yeah obviously you know if it's curled round or if it's yeah. split or broken but i I just see people pushing their dogs to the point of then biting them and, and, and a detriment to their relationship to just cut a nail. It's not life or death. It's, it's not. Just, just leave it or teach them how to do a scratch board. Yeah, scratch board, scratch board. Go for a walk on the pavement. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think sometimes... Yeah, and, and things, do, one. things do regress sometimes. My, my working cockeries... Uh, he's two and a half and I did all the counter conditioning with his nails for him and then he broke his dew claw mm. oh bless him so yeah. now I can't do his front claws so now I'm going through the process of um desensitizing him and counter conditioning well I'm not using counter conditioning because he gets too obsessed with the food <laughs> and I want to know that he's happy with it and not just doing letting me do it because he wants the food yeah yeah so i'm using desensitization with him and i started just with a nail file stroking his shoulder and then further down and down and what we do every night when we go to bed he lies on my bed while, while we're getting ready for bed he'll lie on the bed and he'll let me that's when he's nice and relaxed and let me do stuff then mm. so uh we've got to the point now where i can actually i've got a i've not got a dremel but it's a, a grinder mm -hmm. he'll let me just touch each of his claws now I'm not allowed to hold his paw while I'm doing it. He has to, he'll do, but he'll lay there with it on the bed, steady on the bed, and I'll just touch the end of each one. So I made, it's took me about a month to get to that point. So sometimes you do have to go back to basics and try something different. Yeah, That's and you're really right good. with injuries that are painful or so grew my lurcher. I did everything right and slowly, and he was brilliant. I could do anything. And then, um we were all in the garden one day and we disturbed a wasp's nest oh no and so he's he's only got one little lonely brain cell bless him <laughs> so we all ran in and he just stood there and he got loads of wasps caught in his coat oh, that gosh. obviously stung him and because he's got such a fine coat and i didn't want to get stung i used a metal comb to get the wasps out of his coat um and that was that hmm. Can't use a metal comb anymore. Nope. So I'm now at the stage where I am feeding him while he's lying on the place that I would groom him, just with the equipment on the side. Yeah. And I'm not even, you know, occasionally I might pick it up and put it down and all sorts, but I've got to build it all back up again. Yeah. But I completely understand why he's going to be freaked out about it. It's going to remind him of the day he didn't run away from wasps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
and the better there's a wasp there tomorrow you'll still do I the know. same i know and the thing is it, it it's it's caused multiple issues because now if he hears a fly or oh god he he, he just goes straight in his crate bless him so oh. that's a bit harder to counter condition yes <laughs> i can't up on your phone oh, that's that's a good idea. fly up on your phone yeah that's a good idea and dress jay up like a giant wasp <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, but you do you do have to wonder sometimes what goes through the heads not a lot in his case <laughs> probably a wasp just a wasp in, inside there no, buzzing around yeah bless him so sue i'm just keeping an eye on the time and we we're uh we're over the hour mark um so okay. we'll start to wrap it up if that's okay with you yeah um, that's absolutely fine yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you it's, it's oh, a fabulous you. book um uh, all of our um bookshelver crowd i'm sure will go out and buy it um there's so many great things in there so so many great things in there um that you oh, can do you. And, it, and it really is it, it's uh i love the bit at the back the little appendix bit where you can fill in about the trigger stacking or the candles is um it, it's lovely mm. it's it's really really good it's, have you got any any ideas about writing another one I think my next one's going to be um, a lot of dog groomers have sort of expressed an interest in it, but they don't want to know about the the free work and the tea touch. Mm. So I'm thinking of doing just one on dog behaviour for them. So things like the trigger stacking, the body mm. language and the autonomous nervous system response this stuff that's really important, I think, in the grooming environment that they haven't got much background. So that's one thing I'm thinking of doing. But I've also... Um, last week I suddenly decided that actually I'm going to because I used to do one day workshops and I can't do those anymore for COVID with COVID mm. so my work one day workshop I'm putting it all online so I invested Ooh, in amazing a, I invested in a Thinkific online learning platform last uh-huh. week so I'm just going through the process now I should have my t-touch one ready because I've got a lot of materials ready for that one I've, I'm hoping to do my launch my tea touch one this weekend so uh, wow again might, send us links send yeah, us some links send and me we'll, links we'll i might tune into that and then my collie might look a bit nice <laughs> <laughs> just don't worry it don't matter what they look like yeah, I know, he, do. he does look like he's backed into a chainsaw a lot of the time but <laughs> well thank thank you so much for joining us yeah, and thank you for being a, a, a shining light in the world of dog grooming and and you know oh, thank you. And looking at things from the dog's perspective yeah, i never intended to i i, I didn't realize the impact my book was going to have to be quite honest oh. well it's it sounds like it, it's kind of an industry that that needs um mm. kind of prodding in that in that direction so you I'm, know what there's there's a lot of really good groomers out there mm. It's just the one or two bad stories you hear now and again yeah. that sort of give the whole industry a bad name. Mm. Um, so, and it's avoidable, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, the more we can share your book around, the better. I mean, yeah. brilliant, a brilliant idea to have some. And, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, if, 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 if Guardians buy the Guardians version of the book, they can do a lot of the work at home and then they can go to the groom and say, look, when you're doing his face, if you use a chin rest... Yeah, they'll let you do the face easily or you know if you need to use a map protocol or book again it's not always possible if you it's more difficult if you're in a multi-groomer salon because you've got multiple dogs around so yeah. it's difficult to let a dog roam around when you've got other dogs there 
But if you've got a one-to-one -one groomer, you know, there's absolutely no reason why they can't implement some of these techniques mm. there. And it is, I think I've, I've put in the book, it is about finding the right sort of room for your dog. Mm. Yeah, I love yeah. that bit. And, you know, to find the right one for your dog, you've got to understand your dog first, haven't you? So exactly, yes. Circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 oddly enough, uh, you know, we, this is a new topic for us, the grooming side of things. But the the you know the the body of what we talk about is is similar. It's it's, it's all that you know. Yeah. We, we talk about observation. We talk about trust. We talk about you know. It's it's all it's all feeding into one another at the moment, which is which yeah. is really lovely. Dog grooming is probably around 10, 15 years behind dog training though. On the really yeah, on the force free side, yeah. Mm. Oh, but this it's, is why your book's so important. Yeah, it's still the way everybody's trained. Mm. You know, so we need to get the training slightly to include include more dog behaviour stuff, mm -hmm. as well as how mm. to make your dog look pretty. Well, each little ripple will end up being a big wave one day. So you know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, have you taken a photo on that? That's got to do no, I haven't. Got to do the obligatory. Do, do you mind if we do a photo so we can put it oh, on Oh, no. Facebook? No, I put some makeup on on my earrings. <laughs> I haven't worn my earrings for about a year. Oh, there you I go. Know. I'm a real earring person, but I never bother. I am. Um, put my headphones on. I put, I put trousers on, especially. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Give, um, us a, give us a three, two, one. Okay, right. Three, two, one brilliant lovely yeah. lovely yeah. Um, my photo <laughs> we we just stick it up so we can sort of build um interest and say who we've talked about and where they can get the book and all sorts so um we'll we'll let you know when it's all ready yeah thank you is there anything you wanted to plug or anything like you know that you got coming up that you wanted to talk about I, I think I've got everything, you know, we've, we've discussed the book, we've discussed the website and I've mentioned my training portal. So mm -hmm. I think we've co we've just about covered everything, I think. Awesome. Yeah, you send those through, Sue, and then we're... Yeah, we'll do. When, when the, it's ready. Um, yeah, fab. Definitely. Well, thank you very much again. Thank you so much. No, Anna. thank you for having me on. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a shout when it's ready to go. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll speak again soon, yeah? Yeah, brilliant. Lovely to speak to you both. You too. Lovely. Take care, Bye. 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 I do like dogs and I like dogs and you like dogs and yeah. I do like dogs and I like dogs and you like dogs and yeah. We like dogs and I like dogs and I like dogs and yeah. Well, what do you think? Well, she lovely. Yeah, yeah. God, uh, I, I wish she was my groomer. Yeah. For me, I mean. What your per your personal groom, like for your for your I'm own going hair? To the hairdresser, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might get her to send me some offcuts, and I can just uh, can start building my own head back up. Uh, yeah, what fascinating, and and a real you know advocate for dogs, which you know is always yeah. going to go down well on our podcast. Um, and I, I just love the fact that she's on this mission to, to educate and help, uh, you know, professional groomers and guardians alike. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've experienced it myself where, um, you know, the, the, the good groomers or the groomers that take their time and do all the things that Sue was talking about get booked up. Mm -hmm. So they've got no space to take on new clients. And so it's brilliant to hear that she is then 
you know, multiplying herself and her skills and her ethos by teaching other groomers, um, because that's the only way we can really make a difference for dog welfare is to be uh, mentors and teachers for the next lot. I know. What an interesting story about um, how Sue got into it. And uh, yeah, some some lovely stories about sitting under the, sleeping under the cupboard with a Yeah, that was cute. (laughs) So there you go, folks. Um, What can we say? Go out, grab it, get it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It's great. You will will not regret it. It's so easy to read and there's loads of stuff in there that you can start implementing at home, which Mm -hmm. will make the whole thing a heck of a lot easier. Indeed. Hark! What is that noise? Is it it's galloping? Galloping Greg! It's a galloping. It's a galloping Greg. Here he comes! <laughs> Whoa! It's a Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh, Greggy time! Greggy, Greggy! Now, before we do Greggy, you don't know about this. Bit of a surprise for you. Oh. Uh, check this out. What? <gasps> the screen is being shared. Oh, good Lord. What's that? <laughs> that. What am I looking is, at? <laughs> that is what Greg Wallace looks like because of his lockdown exercise routine. Good. He is. Re- he's been on Noom. <laughs> he has been on Noom. Oh, Look at him. Well, he looks saw, good, I he? saw this article, um... And I look. That's what he used to be like. Look, look at that. that. Oh. He's lost four stone. He looks very happy about it, doesn't he? He does look very happy about it. He also looks a bit photoshopped, like his head really isn't. His head, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> He's got a six pack going on there. I know. Cl- I know. Clearly, you'd be able to tell from the from the tat, though, wouldn't you? You'd be able to tell from the tat. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Did you like that anyway? I did so like that. I got all hot under the collar you. there. Okay. <laughs> naked torsoed men popping up on my computer um i'd like to say it's the first time today but (laughs) anyone that is uh not from the uk and is a bit perplexed about the whole greg wallace thing uh if you haven't already then google greg wallace six pack and you are welcome send me a link to that's on me i'll send me a link i'll (laughs) whack it in the i'll whack it on the facebook okay Um, i guess it's the sun as well (laughs) it's the sun website why are you reading the Sun website? I well, it was just the, the just one sorry. I clicked on, but I, it kind of adds to the authenticity. I feel. Um, okay, yeah, right. So, um, getting back to the book, um, oh. trying to forget the uh, wonderful image that I just shared with you. I'm going to keep it very simple, um, and uh, in the counter conditioning and desensitization section, uh, Sue has written uh, a Sarah Fisher quote, which simply says. Take it slow, trust will grow. Nice. That's really good. That is really, really it up, good. Doesn't it? And that's I, nice. I've done. I've done a. I've done a double Greg Wallace moment. I sometimes. Sometimes you know what? I steer away from the from the uh, the original meaning of the Greg Wallace moment, which you've stuck to very well. There, it's kind of a mic drop, mm. book slam yeah. moment. Yeah. And sometimes I just. I just kind of make it another. You know, r- reason to talk about something that caught my eye as we're going through but i'm going i'm going double bubble right so first of all i'm going to go with a quote i love this quote this reminds me of corin corin talks like this um sometimes and um so this is why i thought it'd be a nice quote 
Uh, if you make a withdrawal, lots of deposits such as food treats and pleasurable experiences will be needed to help keep his account in the black. Go into the red and the trust he has will be di uh, diminished. So that's the idea of, I think that's actually a Sarah Fisher quote, actually, that one there. Um, but the idea, I love that idea of, you know, putting money in the piggy bank, like kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. what the basic statement there is just saying, what the quote's saying is, you know, if you make a withdrawal, you're going to have to put a little bit back in, you know? Yeah. Um, we're talking about trust and things here. And I love that um, analogy. Uh, I use it a lot. Yeah. I, it um, also kind of sets the framework for um, the difficulty of things and that things <laughs> can be easier or harder to cope with. So, you yeah. know, like like Penny, Penny, for example, having her jabs at the vet was like a thousand pound withdrawal. Yes. Whereas Which I'm still um, paying for now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas, um, you know, you, I don't know, um, touching her with a pen is yeah. a 10 pound withdrawal you know um yeah. so i like the way it kind of frames that things are on a scale as well yeah and talking of scales another mm -hmm. another throw me another segue there um i wanted to have a chat so the other thing that we were talking about not really a book slam moment this one but i wanted to have a chat because i'm not sure if we talked about it before probably have let's be honest we talked about nearly everything but mm -hmm. um trigger stacking um yeah now i i think this is a really important concept to to get out to people if we haven't talked about it before and it's again brilliantly discussed in this book where they use actually they use the um, analogy of candles which i have heard before but it's been a while so i i did enjoy um reading reading about it um so triggers triggers are something that um well in this case i think we're talking about it from a stress point of view right yeah, I think um, it's it's really what the dog can cope with yeah. until. Um, so in this case, it would probably be uh, how stressful that grooming experience is to the point of maybe the dog biting or walking yeah. away, and disengaging from the, the activity. Um, and the, and the, there's loads, there's loads of analogies, aren't there? The candle one's really nice. Um, there's, you know. A bucket filling a bucket and it spills over or um the straw that broke the camel's back it's that kind of concept of a cumulative effect of stress which leads to a particular reaction um this is the way i've kind of described it before to uh, clients is like so say you wake up but your alarm hasn't gone off so you're already like 15 mm -hmm. minutes behind and then you burn your toast and yeah. then you go out to start your car and the, the, the windscreen's iced up. And you're like, oh my God, so you got a de-iced windscreen. And then, and then you're stuck in traffic. And then when you finally do get into the office, Barry's there. Barry with his, <laughs> Barry with his breath. Um, and you, by that point, by the time you get to Barry and his breath, you might have lost the plot, you know, and, um, mm. you know, throw your sandwiches at someone or something like that. I, I like that. Poor Barry. It's not, yeah. it's not his fault. <laughs> he just bears the brunt of your very bad morning and bad. Yeah, he was the he was the straw say. that broke the camel's back exactly exactly he so that the barry that broke the camel's was the, back the barry that breathed on the camel's back <laughs> but yeah that that's kind of it you get to a point where you're just like i can't take any more i am done with mm. this um and and that has quite a physiological effect on on us on humans as well as dogs yeah 
and that's yeah. the concept really isn't it it's, it's like how many you know if you can start to realize and again by observing and learning what your dog's triggers might be then you can stop that barry effect happening <laughs> the barry effect the we barry quite, effect. we've got a new one <laughs> how many barries can you take in a day uh that sounded <laughs> <There's> wrong <laughs> um, yeah hello um i don't know what you're up to at the weekend um and there's one in um mental health as well about spoons yeah i was gonna so, say about you spoons. know you've used up all of your spoons yeah yeah uh so yeah. Yeah, I, again, this this does that links back into the observation, doesn't it? Like, look at your dog. You know, you get this a lot with dogs that become uh, like reactive. You know, if if you're if you're constantly say your dog isn't is not a fan of seeing other dogs or gets worried by seeing other dogs, and then you're constantly taking them to areas where they might see a dog at a distance to start with, and then there might be a closer one, one across the road, one comes out the driveway, and then the next one. Bah, bah, you know like you yeah. know they've got you know and then and then actually the the kind of cruel part of this is that studies have shown that to calm down off the back of that takes a long time quite a long yeah. time anyway i'm not sure what the actual sort of like time frames are on that i think some of i think those studies have looked at uh cortisol yeah. levels um which is obviously a, a sort of stress hormone that's released um mm-hmm. when you shout or or swear or something like that go through Mm. something stressful um and uh to get back to normal so that's nothing bad has to have happened yeah yeah. afterwards um you know can be 24 to 48 hours yeah shows um some as much as 72 uh, depending on the severity um yeah and it's it's just really interesting um thinking about it in that way really and knowing Um, that as well uh, you know knowing that it can take that that amount of time to so so if you go out again within that 24-hour period mm. you know you you, again you're likely to see a reaction a lot quicker um and then we have all of these human sayings like oh just get back on the bike and stuff like that that's just gonna sort of like you know the 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 human way of trying to deal with stuff um which which again might seem incredibly logical like exposure to the to the trigger is going to eventually desensitize the dog you know but you you're not taking into account you know the thresholds the you know the yeah it's it's a it's a sticky subject isn't it yeah uh, and you know that's what our job is to do is to put mm. a plan in place that is uh, appropriate um but uh, you know when owners are on board with the concept of trigger stacking or candles or yeah. buckets or Barrys. spoons whatever you want or berries <laughs> um then we're halfway there really um, yeah because they're gonna understand um that you know I, I mean my own example here if i was heading out for a walk with jack and i just timed it wrong and a big lorry went past mm. um the, the noise frightens him and he would he would bark um i depending on where i was going i might abandon that walk yeah because it might then be okay well we've literally just come out the house and you know he's he's uh lost his spoons basically so um and being that's why observation is important because then you can adapt your behavior look at that like a tangled web we weave Mm -hmm. we're segueing into (laughs) each section it's like it's like a finely choreographed ballet dance this podcast (laughs) this week isn't it oh dear oh dear oh this noom diet's making me mad i think (laughs) (laughs) so there we go 
Greggies. Greggy, I'm going to do, ah. do a book slam. Hang on. Yep. There we go. Excellent. That was a good one. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. See you later, you buff demon, you. <laughs> <laughs> Question, 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 question. The questions bag is bursting again this week. Really? Thank you. It really is. Uh, Thank you for um, giving us some fun things to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Some great questions again. Yeah. And some quite interesting ones. I'm just going to go through them in order. Is that go all on right? Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, our mate Greggy P. Yeah, big. Anyway, yeah. Big if, up, Greggy. If, if you like podcasts, check out the Great Pause podcast. That's Greg's yes. podcast. He does an amazing podcast. It's really, really good. Go and check it out. It's brilliant. I listen to it. I'm a listener. So, yeah, go go and check it out. You get his, yeah. his voice is worth the price of admission yeah. anyway. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a warm northern embrace. I like it. <laughs> And he is the king of gifts. He is the king of gifts. He is. Uh, so, Greggy P has asked, when's your favourite time to read the books you recommend? E.g., morning with a coffee, bedtime, multitasking in the water closet. <laughs> now, we've already kind of heard that you like to read in the bath. So I have been that's reading a, in that's the That's a nice a image for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, yeah, in the bath has been my favourite uh, reading of 2021 yeah that, that it, for me that it's been that it's been that's that's how i've read so many books because i've had so many baths <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't really have a a time um no. just when the mood takes me really and when it's not bucketing it down with rain the garden's my kind of reading spot um in the sun yeah, with a dog on my lap. Holiday, uh, holiday reading, yeah. so nice. When you get that, when you get into a book and like you, you're like you're in it, and you're like, yeah. oh my god, I don't want to put it down. I remember Corin, actually, um, when we were last away in uh, in Crete, um, my mum and dad had got a place out in Crete, so we we go over there from time to time. Um, and uh, she just kept sneaking off. She's like, oh, I'm just going to the toilet. And then I'd be like, I'd look at my watch. She's like, where's she gone? It's been like 20 <laughs> minutes. And I'd go in there and she's just reading her book in the room. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't put oh, it down. And I love that. I, yeah, I love that when you're lovely completely feeling. immersed. It's a lovely Actually, feeling. Actually, my favourite my favorite way of reading is um, in a nice hot country mm-hmm. with my body in a swimming pool but so I can tread up, so I can stand up. So it's not too deep. Yep. And then I have the book open on the side of the pool. Yep. That's that's how I like to read the most. It doesn't Mil- happen very often because I don't go abroad because I've got 500 million dogs. But Mills um, and Boone, yeah? Mills and Boone. No, I like a good crime thriller. You know me. Or horror. There has to be a murder. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, right. There we go. Thank you, Greg. So there we go. Thanks, Greg. Um... Ben Rochford has asked, since lockdown, have you noticed far more dog poo um, being hung in trees than usual? That's incredibly specific. Yeah. Um, Now, I don't know if this is a concept in in other countries, but in the UK, we have um, these sort of dog poo ninjas that hang poo in trees so it's bagged poo uh i don't know why they do this no one knows no one ever admits to doing it themselves either there's a few theories one is that um they're hanging it there so that no one treads on it one is that they're hanging it there so they can remember to pick it up on the way back and put it in the bin yeah 
Um, one is that they have very strange uh, ideas about um, littering the countryside. Yeah, I, I, I'm down with the... Well, no, I would be down with the I'm hanging it there to pick it up on my way back. But sometimes you see it hanging in the... Wind, like, like I, I suspect sometimes people are trying to throw it like uh, like so you can't see it but it gets snagged in a tree because sometimes yeah, i don't know shout. who these people are what, what a bunch i don't of, know but what yeah. it uh, what it makes it worse for are the um you know ground management or conservation staff because they're often then using brush cutters and chainsaws oh and you god can imagine how messy that gets yeah oh good lord yeah, yeah. you don't want to be strimming your way through a no no, no. um I haven't I I personally haven't noticed more but I'm pretty sure it's uh, highly likely because there's people there's people walking dogs everywhere I have noticed dogs that I've never lot. seen before I'm like how do I not know you I've noticed well Ben I've noticed a lot more just dog not bagged unbagged dog poo. oh really yeah one of the places I love to go is just a dog poo fiesta at the moment and it's really upsetting because mm. yeah I just don't know I watched someone just watch their dog have a poo the other day in that place from a distance and I gave my biggest shaky head sort of oh. like towards them and they let and they just, they just strolled look. off it's like it's it's like it's all right and you're not only is it slippy so you're so you're looking where you're slipping around like you know in the mud and that but you're also trying to avoid the um the, the poop patties that have, that, have been, <laughs> that have been dotted around and from time to time you know if if peach has done a poo or whatever and there's one near it yeah, this is how much it is normally there might be one there i'll do a like a double pickup sort yeah. of bag thing but come on people do you know what i mean i don't know what this is i think i think it's i don't know so yeah, caveat i don't know but i think you're either getting people more people out now during lockdown that just don't give a you know mm-hmm. um a poop uh or or people are just you're, you're coming out and they're either stressed or on their phone and they're missing it they're missing their dogs doing it but mm-hmm. i've seen people watch their dogs do it and leave it so yeah i i it it, it pains me to say i think some people just don't give a hell or they don't they don't understand the environmental impact not only on people treading on it and things like that but well you you know more about this than me Nat. but like you know getting into the water table you know all of those sorts of things um changing the environment the actual you know um plant life and things around is is an issue as well isn't it Mm -hmm. it's nutrient input and it is littering but then i think littering is up as well yeah. So much fly tipping around here at the moment and just, you know, general rubbish around. Yay, humans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Right, let's move on. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Good luck navigating now, your way through the poop forest. Yeah, now we've depressed everybody. Um, right, Kelly says, I'd love to know the route you both took to end up where you are now. And with the life experience you have now, would you do anything differently if you could go back? Mm-hmm. And as a sub-question, what advice would you give to a dog walker that has been dipping her toe into training but keeps putting it off until she does done X, Y, Z courses, seminars, asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> and she then says, the more I learn, the more I realise I don't know. How do you know when you know enough? You, you'll never know enough. No, that, very... that feeling never stops. So, no. so you're probably all right where you are. Um, just know that you just, yeah. Um, okay, so how did you get here, Nat? Uh, how did I get here? So I always wanted to work with um, 
non-human animals in some capacity. I went to university. I went into the conservation sector. So I was working with wildlife rather than companion animals. Um, and uh, on the side, uh, got my first doglet, Jack, um, and had to uh, suddenly learn lots of things. Um, so I went to a place called Scallywags where I met the lovely um, Claire and Sally and Joe, who were kind of my my mentors, really. Um, and Sharon and oh God, there's loads of them. <laughs> um, and so I just, uh, as well as attending as a client, I started shadowing puppy classes and then just got more and more involved, went on every piece of CPD and courses that I could possibly find eventually went back to university to do uh, my postgraduate diploma in applied animal behavior and welfare. Um, that meant I could then become a member of the APBC. Then I went on to become a certificated clinical animal behavior with ASAB. Um, yeah. Eventually sort of branched out, got my own load of clients um and went from there now I do lots of different things so uh basically how I got here was meeting the right people and learning a lot and um yeah never assuming that I'm I'm there and sometimes you do have to take the plunge you know like with your first clients and things like that and you know you you'll always be be better uh, the the more experience you get, but you've got mm. to start somewhere. So yeah. go for it, Kelly. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it now. What about you then? Uh, so I started, so yeah, um, I, so I used to be in a band, okay. And when I was in a band, that was all I ever wanted for my entire life. I used to think that I was just going to be doing that for the rest of my days. Um, and then uh, various band members got married, had babies and, and, and you know, thing, things were running their course. Um, and well, during that period, um, uh, a partner that I was with at the time really wanted to get a dog. And I was like, I'd had dogs when I was growing up. I've always loved animals. I've always been into nature and loved them. But I was just all consumed by music at that point. Um, uh, and uh so we did get a dog but um uh the the girl that i was with at the time was like i'm gonna do the, all the training do all of this do all of that um which suited me fine because i was doing so much time you know um being in the band uh but this dog arrived he was called rocco um and he was a dalmatian cross uh english springer spaniel looked kind of like a munchdalander um, if you know mm -hmm. what one of them looks like, if you don't Google mm. it. But he was absolutely gorgeous. And, um, of course, I fell in love, like, immediately. And then, um, obviously, your bits of training were being done. And um, Stephanie, the girl I was with, took him to do agility stuff. And then I would start seeing videos that she had shot of him doing stuff. I was like, wow, it's amazing. And then I started going along to agility. <laughs> um, and then suddenly I started sort of like getting, you know, a bit muscling my way in, I guess would be the best thing, like getting more involved in the training and that. And actually that's the same, that was at the same place. That was at Scallywags. Yeah, um, that's where we met. Yep, yeah, which is where me and Natalie met. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a sad twist to this because that dog, Rocco, he just, he, at Scallywags, he just collapsed one day 
um he had an underlying heart condition that we knew nothing about um yeah and he died so i at that point i had been chatting with sally um about maybe becoming a dog trainer because i got into it that much and after that had happened, she offered me to start shadowing at her puppy classes, which I did. I used to sit up on a, I just used to sit on a chair up on the stage while Sally would do the puppy classes, and I used to make, I used to observe. So she she had me like writing down like what's the puppy doing when the people aren't, you know, when the people aren't uh, are watching me, and vice versa. Who needs more help? Who do you think mm-hmm. it's worth reaching out to? You know, to help them with this or that. So I spent a couple of months doing that, and then one day. Sally went, right, I'm not doing the classes anymore. Do you want them? You know, you can start on Tuesday <laughs> night if you want. So I was kind of forced into a, a sort of baptism of fire scenario, to be honest. Oh, in the interim, I should probably mention this. My, my sister got me a uh, four-day how-to-be-a-dog trainer course with the one and only uh, Steve Mann of IMDT fame. This was before there was an IMDT, actually. Um, so I went and I stayed there. And because I got there really, really early... I was able to work in the kennels they had. So we were doing little clicker training things with the dogs because I got there because my dad worked nearby. He dropped me off like two hours before the classes were due to start and I made a deal with Steve and the <laughs> staff that work. they could come in. Yeah. Um, and so I did that course as well. Uh, yeah. And I just, yeah, from shadowing to doing classes to much similar with Nat, like me being mentored by Claire and Sally, um, uh working at the train school for ages starting to take my own classes there more and more and then suddenly yeah again branched out and um into our own into my own business and then uh, corin joined as well which is great and the rest is history but yeah a similar i guess similar sort of ending um without much of the sort of like uh university education that that's had um but yeah um yeah i i think you know, yeah, you it's it's a it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you have got to make the jump at some point. You have got to do that. Um, but also, you know, I think finding somewhere where you can shadow. I've got two, three people um, who are shadowing on my online co- uh, courses at the moment. Um, mm. Some of them listeners to the podcast actually have found me through there. So Aww. you know, always Hello. willing to pay it forward and stuff. Um, you you know, because so many people were nice to me when I was starting. Um, I think we, yeah, we. It's the it's the way forward because it's such a, a a practical industry. You need that kind of hands-on experience as well as, you know, developing your canine skills and of yeah. observation and all sorts. So, um, and if you're struggling to find someone, because obviously you don't want to fall into the wrong hands and be shadowing someone that's not um, following, you know, positive reinforcement and what's out there in in terms of the science uh then um find a practitioner organization so like the imdt or the apdt or apbc and and then you know you 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 know listening to the right people dog training college is a good uh a good (coughs) good stepping stone yeah yeah they've got some fantastic stuff they got some brilliant courses on there and and some fantastic people that are really respected in the in the industry um i'm doing a webinar for them next week actually yeah i've been asked to do an, i've been asked to do another one for them hey, hey, webinar-y. hey. um brilliant okay yeah. okay so good, good luck kelly keep good us luck. keep us up to date on your your journey um or sorry your friend's journey <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh emma Emma has a question. I wonder if we ask Sue this. Oh, this is yeah. We how need to many, ask how Sue many different this one. coat types do, you, do we think there are? 
gosh, I don't know. Uh, let's ask Sue. We're going to ask we? Sue. We're, going, we're yeah. going back in time because in podcasting, as we've already spoken to Sue, but we're going to oh, go okay. back in time and add it in to our interview with Sue. This is Emma who actually introduced us to Sue. So, um, Ab, thanks, Emma. So, yeah, we're going to have a little chat with Sue about that. Back in time. Okay. Is there any more questions? Um, yeah, there's two more. Go so, um, Diana is asking... Um, how do we find the books that we review? Oh, it's a combination of, uh, of uh, for me anyway, of books that I've already read. Um, and what's what's happening now is uh, podcast guests are bringing other books up when we're talking yeah. to them and we're being like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And scribbling it down and then asking for introductions to authors and things like that. We have a sponsorship with Dogwise um, uh, who... Um, allow us access to their massive reading library and um, mm-hmm. access to authors as well um friends um anyway yeah. yeah and it's it's a recommending podcast i, I was would just say, about rather to say than that. review that's because important that is we are yeah we we are hand picking and selecting books that we are you know 100% behind and uh would uh, recommend to our friends, family, clients, etc. So um, I would feel, I guess it makes me feel uncomfortable thinking that we're reviewing these books of people that are absolutely amazing yeah. experts. Um, so we, we prefer recommend, don't we? Yeah, it's safe to say if you're tuning in, the book that we're reviewing, we love. <laughs> I think I think it's as so you can probably tell from yeah. when we're we're gushing about them yeah but, um yeah uh okay Good last question. question um biscuit or cake biscuit or cake um from Simon I did I, I did clarify that we weren't going to rehash the Jaffa cake debate um oh right that, yeah that's not what he was getting at because that has and he rightly pointed out on the Facebook page that has been settled it, ha- it uh, has and yeah. they are a cake um <laughs> uh biscuit or cake oh god i don't know i've got such a sweet tooth sometimes i could have either or but if i if you were holding a gun to me ed and you said what are you going to have for the rest of your life i would go biscuit Mm. yeah i'm not i don't really like sweet things i'm more of a savory yeah if you were to say biscuit cake or cracker I'm going for a cracker every time. You're going for a cracker. What, just a plain, yeah. plain cracker? Yeah, because the biscuits I like are rich teas, mm. which are basically a coaster <laughs> that you dunk. Yeah, so, see, that's the thing. You can dunk a biscuit, can't you? And, yeah, and, yeah. And... I think I'd have to go for biscuit. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, biscuit. Stop the press. Biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you They're very much. So thank you, everybody. They were great. <laughs> lovely um as ever you know normally what we do is we put up a little post saying that we're recording tonight and if you've got any questions um you can fire them on that fred but um also if you have any to ask um during the week um then yeah fire them to us um at our email address which is barks from at gmail.com or indeed visit us on our facebook page we're a lovely community and uh ask questions on there or just share uh pictures of greg wallace looking buff um <laughs> And we look forward to them. Right. Moving onwards. Let's go. So there we have it. Oh, it's always sad to go, isn't it? 
I know, I've had a good time. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's been lovely. And um God, when was the last time we did one of these in person? Oh mate, last summer sometime. It was, I it think. It was um, when we just got the woofis built because you came mm, over here. Oh, did yeah. I come to you as well for one? I think no, the last time was in the Woofis. I think you're right. Mm, yeah. Probably August. Yeah, hopefully in the not too distant future, you yeah. know, um, variants and uh, mutations and things uh, <laughs> notwithstanding, uh, we might be able to be in person again and yeah. maybe even cash in some of that lovely buy us a pint money that all of our bitch, I wasn't going to. That, mate, that is the day <laughs> I'm looking forward to. There is no obligation, by the way. <clears throat> um uh so yeah um yeah lovely it's been great it's been great so yeah. have you have you got so last uh uh episode we, well, we had no complaints no zero about, complaints about nat's comedy corner or i can't remember what we called it that's i like nat's comedy corner that's good and, and if this goes uh, well this week there's going to be a jingle for it next okay time, so, so all right well i'm really pleased with this <laughs> because it's relevant to the subject we've been talking about go on then get this what kind of dog loves to take bubble baths? What kind of dog loves to take bubble baths? Oh, go on. I don't know. A shampoodle. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it is relevant. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> I, I, I quite liked that. Uh, there was also another one that I, I really liked, but it's not as relevant, but I'll say it anyway. What do you call a dog magician? A dog magician. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, uh, oh, I don't know. Go on. A labracadabrador. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I get to Steve Randall applause. A labracadabrador. Oh, I love that. I feel like I'm I'm laughing the most at these jokes. <laughs> I really shouldn't be. I would really? be such a rubbish really? comedian because I'd just be laughing Labracadabrador. That's good. I like that. That's that is good. very good. Have you ever thought of branching out into uh, the world of crackers? <laughs> but that's about my level of humor so uh perhaps i'll uh i'll see what i can do oh well that, well that's it then we're wrapped um it's uh always a pleasure and um obviously bookshelvers you know get active on the facebook page ask us mm -hmm. questions uh barks from at gmail.com if you want to drop us an email uh, our Patreon page. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Review. Review, write reviews, um, all of that stuff. I, I don't think there's a... There's, if you listen on Spotify, there isn't a, a, an actual way that you can review the podcast. But if you listen through Apple Podcasts or, or anything mm. like that, anything do, done with an iPhone, you can review us. And that really, really helps us. Um, so that would be wonderful. Uh, yep. We have, as ever, we've got some fabulous guests lined up. Um I'm not going to spoil any of them here, um, but uh, but yeah. Right. So so keep them keep them peeled um, on the Facebook page, and we will be giving little teasers of of what's what's to come. And the Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash bookshelvers if you're interested in that. Um, and uh, might have some exciting uh, news about possible merchandise. Oh um, yes, yeah. I treated Steve and I to um, a hoodie. Yes, each, and. Um, Anybody else would like one? Yeah, we we may make them available. We may make them available. I'm wearing mine right now. Um, it's only, it's only a lot. Yeah, I put mine in the wash. <laughs> but I do have um, come to the bark side. I like it. Very good. Good net. Yeah. Very good. Well, there we go then. Um, right. My stomach's rumbling, so 
yeah, it's, me it's too. dinner time in the Steve house. So um, yeah. yeah, off I go. Right, take Bye. care, big travels, and until we meet again, uh, bye bye. Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, it's just Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down. And it won't be kept out